o'clock on a Saturday. Mike Murphy, yep. Fred Huber, oh, yeah. Murph and Fred back together again <laughs> on ESPN 1000. You're not even wet, Fred. No, it's amazing. I don't know how that could happen. What, you have a Brock umbrella on your head? It was raining like crazy. I never saw it rain so hard. And then I got downtown and it yeah. stopped. It let up so all these runners could get in shape for their 5K today before the 22 points, 26.2. Yeah, that's always a fun um, uh, yeah. moment uh, for Fred when the... Uh, it's a wonderful time. When they got streets blocked off for the marathons and yeah. the mini marathon. How uh-huh. you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, 9 till noon. We are busy today. Uh, literally, we have about 50 pounds to shove into the three-hour show, so stick around. Jesse Rogers, one hour away. Jesse, uh, I was eavesdropping on a little Jesse. Yeah, he, they don't let Jesse quit because no, the Cubs are done. No, uh-uh. I had good old ESPN uh, 1000. Hey, that's us. On last night and the end of the ball game. And let's throw it down now to Jesse. Right? Oh, what's that? Jesse doesn't have any. Oh, Jesse's got someone now. Jesse. He was the best. He was great. He had uh, the relief pitcher, uh, Soria. Joaquin. Joaquin Soria. Soria. Uh-huh. And uh, the star uh, hitter of the game, uh, Kratz. K-R-A-T-Z. Eric Kratz. Eric Kratz. Yeah. So we'll have Jesse at 10. Mark Potash. Oh, one of our favorite guys. Sprays to all fields, covers the Bears, Blackhawks, baseball guy Mark Potash, featured columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times. He'll join us at 11. Uh, John DeWan might phone in from the road today. He's got something very interesting regarding Wilson Contreras. It's funny. Now that the Cubs are out of the playoffs, the Wilson Contreras commercial starts showing. (laughs) <laughs> Did you see that phone commercial now with Wilson no. Contreras and his family? No. Yeah, I can get five for the price of one. And he gives them to everybody and he goes, this one's for yeah. me. And it's got a Cubs logo on it. I did not see that commercial. Mm. Uh, maybe it was just set to run during the playoffs. Yeah. And it didn't run until, you know, the last two days. And now all of a sudden it's running all the time. And the Cubs are sitting at home watching he, he it. He gets it's five. What does he get? Five for one? Five phones. You can get five huh. phones uh, for the price of one. I just wish he'd get one for five. Yeah. Yeah, that would be about it. He, I'll tell you one thing. He can celebrate a walk better than anybody I've ever seen. He did it twice I in that one game. I can't criticize a guy for that. Oh, I can. Well, I know you can. I would criticize anybody. You want to celebrate. <laughs> I guess you got to celebrate when you get on base, and that's what he did twice. He celebrated the walk. He's jumping up and down uh-huh. and getting everybody crazy. Lots of bears to talk about today. However... Lots happened uh, to the uh, my Chicago Cubs. Uh, oh, you can't say that on the radio. Oh, I, yes, I, you can. I do. You can say whatever you want. I'm the Cub fan from Lions Township High School, LaGrange. Fred Huber, the White Sox fan from good old Morton East in... That lost 100 games. Cicero. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. Well, you saw it. Yep. I saw it all right. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time to get to... But, uh, Fred, lots there. In fact, we have a soundbite here. And it's been well documented that uh, I'm very happy that Theo, you know, helped the Cubs get to the World Series. Uh I've often uh, proclaimed, and Fred has seen the T-shirt with the Cubs trophy on it, and now I can uh, die in peace. You know, God love the fact that Theo was involved, and so don't get me wrong. Well, hold it now. Hold it now. I've never been a big fan. It's the World World Series trophy. It's only the Cubs trophy if they win it more. more. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't just call it the Cubs trophy. Yeah, everybody gets it. I mean, the White Sox had it, too. It wasn't the White Sox trophy. Well, that was the OBP (laughs) trophy for the uh, North and South side. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it's the World Championship yeah. Trophy. Yeah, no one has that trophy. No one even <laughs> sponsors that one anymore. Do no, they? I don't think so. No. Maybe the Mur- I saw Javi though. Javi was walking around with it after they won it that fast last weekend. How about the Murph and Fred Trophy? Yeah, yeah. Well, we try. Carmen and Yurko tried to get it, and they couldn't. They oh, would, did they? They wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't let them put their name on it. So but they're both White Sox fans. Yeah, but they wanted it. No, they're not. Yurko's a Cubs fan. Yurko's a big I Cub thought, fan. I thought Yurko grew up a Cub fan and then vacillated. Uh, oh, okay. well, Yurko's a Cub fan. Gotta love Yurko. Yep. Got some great sound bites of uh, Yurko and a lot. But, but first, it's uh, it's been a week. And uh, Fred, I didn't, as you know, in the last couple of weeks, it was starting to look to me like uh, 1969. Uh-huh. When September of 69, even for you youngsters out there, you new timey people, as they say. Or do I just say that? You've heard about it. September, everything, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then, and the Mets in 1969, who won it all, were the uh, are the current Brewers. Everything, you know, and that's fine. I'm not belly. You know, things go your way. They don't. We had a, a poll last week, right, about right. how much is luck a factor, and it is among many other things. Let's, you know, and right now everything's going the Brewers' way. Wait till they meet the Dodgers. That'll be about the four and out, or maybe the Brewers will win one. But last week, I even said goodbye to Jesse. Remember, I yep. said, Jesse, just in case, uh, this was Saturday morning. I said, just in case, you know, you great year. Thanks for always being there for us on Saturday and everything. And But he will uh, join us today. It just, it didn't feel right. Then, the big press conference. And, you know, the, the, I'll say one thing. He's slick. He's good. He's He's... He's excellent. Theo is excellent. I mean, the press conference, everyone walks out there going, yes, yes. Well, if I were there, I would go, same Theo, same thing. But again, again, 2016, you know, he helped orchestrate it. I understand it. So here was, we have a thing in radio called a uh, station promo, right, Fred, where, uh-huh. you know, a little, the big voice guy will come on. And uh, so uh, this one ran a few times. In the wake of the Cubs' early exit from the postseason, Theo Epstein met with the media. There was a lot to grind through, and there was a lot to be proud of, but we could have done more from day one through 162 as far as complete sense of urgency every day, showing up with that assertiveness and that edge every single day. Get your Cubs news from Chicago's number one baseball station, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, and you, you hear those uh, yeah, throughout I, the day, and all radio uh-huh. stations do that type of thing. They're, you you know, it's cool. It's a station promo, right? Yep. And he used we a few times, you know, which is a smart word because that's all encompassing. You right. know, we had to show more urgency, whoever that is. You know, we can break that down maybe uh, later in the show. But it got me to thinking a little bit. And Fred, I, I bring this out every couple of years. Uh, <clears throat> there's a famous author. And I only know this because I stumbled on it once down a rabbit hole as I was just Googling around or searching around one day. Uh, let me read this here. But as uh, Thomas Pynchon said, P-Y-N-C-H-O-N, the great novelist of paranoia, <laughs> uh, he wrote in Gravity's Rainbow. All right. Felix, you're well-read, well-educated. Uh, are, you, are you hip to uh, Thomas Pynchon's Gravity's Rainbow work? I'm not. Oh, well, then listen in. <laughs> listen in. Uh, his famous quote was, If they can get you asking the wrong questions, then they don't have to worry about the answers. 
if they can get you asking the wrong questions, they don't have to worry about the answers. I always thought that was sort of interesting. Now, I didn't listen all uh, hour and ten minutes of the presser, as they call it. And I hate that word, Fred. You know that. But, uh, and we've got a great media here and and asked, I heard a lot of the questions. They were all, you know, right to the point and the one, good questions, you know. But maybe this is why never had a press pass. They'd probably throw me out after, you know, the first time I asked a question. So I have a question that, according to Thomas Pinchon, uh, I believe uh, Theo was uh, hoping uh, he wouldn't hear this question because then everybody, he wouldn't have to worry about the answer. Okay. So uh, they'd hand the microphone over to me. I I learned this a little bit from political press conferences. They don't just ask a question. They give their, you know, and this is fine. This is both sides of the aisle. Don't get me wrong. Any type of uh, uh, political press conference. I wouldn't be able to comment on this because I've never watched one. First, they give, you know, a long filibuster statement Mm -hmm. of their own position. And then they roll it into a question at the end. It's not just the question at the end. So I'm going to take a page out of that, all right? So they go, uh, that's Mr. Murphy from ESPN 1000. <clears throat> uh, Theo, when, when you had your first press conference seven years ago, you promised waves, waves of young talent coming along. Well, in seven years, with the possible exception of David Bodie, you've drafted and developed no regular players except for your uh, high first-round draft picks, first-round draft picks, high first-round draft picks, Brian Schwarber, Hap, Elmora. And then I could have said, which Fred Hubner uh, could have picked with an old sporting news uh, under his arm. Yeah, I might have skipped on Schwarber, but yeah, I, I would have grabbed the other guys. All right. I wouldn't have taken Schwarber as high as they did, but... As I continue... I mean, he looked okay at that time. No, no, no. I'm saying a lot of people picked him yeah. going go 17th huh. to Detroit that year. Right. And, and the Cubs jumped up and picked him earlier, which shocked everybody. And then, then all of a sudden, Schwarber showed why he was picked so high. Though in defense, you're correct. But I believe that uh, 17th uh, ranking was a few months before the draft in June. I could no, be wrong. Started, they were still surprised that he was started picked. started ratcheting up. Okay, either yeah, way. Maybe higher than yeah, 17. Either way. Yeah. Right. Okay, fine. Uh, so, Theo, as I continue my filibuster uh, leading up to the question, see. Uh, so, Theo, uh, you've uh, drafted and developed no regular players except for your uh, high first-round picks of uh, Brian Schwerber, Happ, and Elmora. You've, you've drafted and developed zero homegrown pitchers uh, who have contributed anything uh, in the last uh, six or seven years. And, Theo, if you ran a team, not the Cubs, but a team like, say, Minnesota Twins, who don't have a lot of dough, you would not have had the money this July, August to pick up Cole Hamels. You wouldn't have had the money to pick up Daniel Murphy, Jesse Chavez, Brandon Kinsler, Jorge De La Rosa. So imagine August or September, if you didn't have the money with a big market team, Imagine what would have looked like uh, the Cubs looked like this uh, August, September without Hamels, Murphy, Chavez, Kinsler, and De La Rosa. So, Mr. Epstein, I have two questions. Thank God the guy's finally getting into questions. Jeez. Number one, Theo, here's, here's a question for you. 
much longer will Mr. Ricketts continue to give you enough money to make up for the barren farm system and your terrible free agent signing mistakes? I'll repeat that, Theo. I'm sorry. Theo, get off the floor. Theo, how much longer will Mr. Ricketts continue to give you enough money to make up for the barren farm system of seven years and terrible free agent signing mistakes? If Mr. Ricketts took out a, a checkbook, Theo, is it like the bottomless Coke at the pizzeria? Wouldn't that be something to have a checkbook like sure. the bottomless Coke? just keep writing checks. Yeah, just to keep drinking Coke. Mm-hmm. If you have a bottomless checkbook, then I guess, Theo, everything's fine. Number two, you're in the middle of your second five-year deal right now with the Cubs. Your, five, your second five-year deal is up in three more years uh, after 2021. You once said that you think, and this is a, a quote, 10 years is enough in any job. 10 years is enough in any job. You got three years left in your 10 years. Are you going to blow town in three years, Theo, with the one world championship, like the 1985 Bears? Are you going to blow town with one championship and leave behind a barren farm system and a roster full of the no-value, over-the-hill aging veterans? Or will you be leaving like the Blackhawks with three world championships in your 10 years? I'll sit down and listen for my two answers. Uh, And again, as uh, Thomas Pinchon, the great novelist of paranoia, wrote in Gravity's Rainbow, quote, if they can get you asking the wrong questions, then they don't have to worry about answers. All right. That's about it. I don't want to go too much further. You know, that's it. He's going to leave in three years, Fred. Uh Uh-huh. At least that's what he stated seven years ago. Right. Ten years is enough for any job. Any job. The farm system's been barren for seven years, other than the four first-round picks. Uh Uh-huh. And three of those right now are sort of dubious. Yes, they are. And Bryant has been hurt. So, you know, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, nobody really knows what they have in Schwarber, Elmore, or Hap. Mm Mm-hmm. So. His free agent signings have been atrocious. Well, this year especially. When the season started this year and you brought in you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood. Yeah. I mean, you, Ed, Edwin Jackson. I mean, but every GM has mistakes. Right. Don't sure get me wrong. Do. But big, big money mistakes. Oh, and Jason Hayward. I, for, I almost forgot Jason Hayward. Oh, thank Hayward. you. I almost forgot him. The Jay Hay kid. You think they possibly have enough money now to still go on out and give Machado and or uh, Bryce Harper? Well, that was the next follow-up. Yeah. Do you have... The unlimited Coca-Cola checkbook, and for how long? Because you'd have to move one of the guys you have, and who's going to take Darvish or Hayward off your hands? You, no one. Right. You could attempt, there's what? What does Hayward have left? Six years? You could attempt to eat half of it and find a team that would take them, and you wouldn't get anything back for them because they'd already be eating so much dough at even 50%. Yeah. So you would just be trying to unload them. You know what's interesting about Hayward? Baseball man told me this. And you can see it with your own eyes. They signed him when he was like 27. The next year, he played like he was 37. He, <laughs> yeah, he did. He had slowed down like 10 years had passed, and his arm had weakened, and he was always afraid of running into the wall. That's fine. I don't want to run into the brick wall either. 
even though Len Casper always in April goes, oh, boy, there's no cushion yet. The ivy's not out to run into that brick wall. Try it sometime in the middle of the summer. There's no never cushion. There's no cushion. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then how about this? Uh, I mean, he made some terrific pickups. Don't get me wrong. We praised him, remember? Fred? Well, this year, without without the guys that you listed, without the guys you listed in Hamels, Murphy, Chavez, Kinsler, De La Rosa, they don't they're not playing in a uh, in a, in a wild card game, <laughs> right? They're not even you know their their five and a half game lead in September would have evaporated. Yeah. It wouldn't even have been a five no. and a half game lead at that point. Now let's say he's running a small market team like Padres, Minnesota. You can name them. Oakland. Do you think he'd have had the dough to to pick up? Hamels, I believe he was six million, maybe more, because he was on an eighteen million dollar deal and you right. had one third of the season. That's six million. Murphy, I think, was three million. Chavez, Kin- did you say this Kinsler? Yeah, he's got five million guaranteed next year, and he couldn't get anybody out. That's pretty good. <laughs> if you're Kinsler, who's his agent? Not if you're Tom Ricketts, the bottomless Coke checkbook. Uh-huh. De La Rosa was a big help. You couldn't have gotten any of those guys if you were with a small... And that's fine. He has the big market. But you see, it's a lot easier when you can cover up your mistakes by spending more of the boss's money. Right. I well, like that. The bo- see, the, the thing is that they, they're one of those buildings up there. I'm not sure if it's the brick house or, or the Gallagher uh-huh. Way, but there's a room in there where they, where they have a printing machine. And they just keep printing cash. But even a guy like Ricketts eventually is going to say, you know what? There's a lot of money I'm spending. Yeah. Well, it yeah. doesn't matter how much is coming in. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're going, well, wait a minute here. That's okay. They got their new network starting in two years. So that'll be fine. Well, they got to have... Name talent, like in Hollywood, like the Dodgers. Yeah. You got to have big name players with the Dodgers, whether you're winning or losing, or no one's going to come. Because there's other things they can do, and they're used to having headliners. You know, you go to the... You ever, you ever been out like in... Uh, out like Studio City uh, out there right. in the you know, Upper Valley up in the hills there? And uh, you go to like Ralph's? That's their local jewel. Okay. You know, and there'll be, uh, you know, Susan Sarandon just right there. No one even says anything. They just, you know. Sure. It's, the, it's every day. Common day occurrence. There's De Niro over there. There's yep. everybody, you know. It, it's amazing. But that's what they expect there. And if you're going to put the new TV network on, you got to have some named guys. That would help. I want to do some bear stuff. They got Javi Baez. Mm-hmm. You got Baez. You got Lester. Well, you may not have Lester in two years, right? We'll get to that. He's in a pickle. As long as the checkbook's bottomless, I guess he's okay. Well, Lester did say that this might be good for the team. I saw that. Yeah. Can't just throw the. Can't just say. I, I, I kind of like when Theo said that, you know, you, you take two of the first three, and winning two out of three isn't necessarily always a good thing when you could have swept the series. <laughs> so. Can it would we, be interesting if they if they talked about this during the year, if they waited till the year was over. We're going to visit that John DeWan in a few minutes. Man, with all the numbers, got an interesting angle on Wilson Contreras. Uh, one of our favorite guys, Mark Potash, Bears Talk 11, Jesse at 10. He's up in Milwaukee. Uh, Phoenix, well, he, he was in Milwaukee. Oh, he might be in Mini maybe, now. Maybe heading, or not to, mini, uh, heading to Colorado now. Yeah. You know what? It's the Battle of Miller and Coors. I saw that. Yeah. They're both owned by Miller. Yep. It's a Miller Coors Brewing Company. Is that what they call it? Yeah. 
I used to like the G. Heilman Brewing Company, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Or the black, the bad axe, and the Mississippi all meet to form God's country. All right. Felix, Felix Reyes, Felix the Cat. Felix, I'm going to do a little uh, Bears uh, talk right here. Okay. If you could have handy in a moment, please. Uh, cut six. Now, everyone loves Tom Brenneman. Remember Sarah Lee? Uh, nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Right. Uh-huh. Well, I don't like Tom Brenneman. But everyone loves him, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to temper this. Yeah. First time I ever had cheesecake. I thought all cheesecake tasted like Sarah Lee, and it came <laughs> in a little, little round container. Right. Little did I know there was Eli's and a bunch of others. Their carrot cake was good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, Tom Brenneman. You remember the Bears played last Sunday? That was a while ago, Fred. Yep. Okay. They get a couple touchdowns. They're up 14 nothing. Well, no, I'm sorry. They're up 14 nothing. <laughs> they just kept scoring. Now, scoring at will. So if you remember this, oh, by the way. And all the people say, well, you know, it's against a bad defense. You know what? Shut up. Doesn't matter what kind of defense it's against. It's an NFL team. Let me get my son times out here. That's a bad defense. Uh, you know, the guys were wide open. Well, uh, yeah, don't get Okay, you don't want to give Mitch Trubisky any credit, then don't. Do you remember the. Two times the Bears lined up with two quarterbacks back in shotgun. How could you forget? Uh-huh. There was something that uh, that noted each one of them. Here's Patrick Finley today. Sometimes Bears beat. Talking about quote-unquote trick plays, all right? Uh-huh. The first play Matt Nagy called as head coach of the Bears. Remember this? He did the teeth yep. formation in homage to honor. Uh, sure. Never forget the way you thrill the nation. The first play, Matt they Nagy... They should actually put it, keep it in, because I think they gained like seven yards. Uh, yes, it did. Yeah. The first play Nagy called as head coach of the Bears was known as Papa Bear Left. Yep. A handoff to Tariq Cohen out of the T formation that the franchise made famous three generations ago. The last play of Nagy's uh, first drive uh, then put left tackle Charles Leno... Out at receiver, tight end Deion Sims at tackle. The uh, running play produced a touchdown. In the three games since the opener, Nagy has run trick plays, or more accurately, Finley calls them trick formations, to try to gain a schematic <coughs> excuse me, advantage against the Seahawks. Tight end Trey Burton took a snap out of shotgun. In Arizona, I love all these plays. Oh, that was me, not Patrick. Fred. In Arizona, the Bears ran a goal line play with four tight ends. And Sunday, the Bears scored on a play they called Willy Wonka, which featured two quarterbacks. And a golden ticket. Nagy, very good. Nagy isn't trying to be clever, Finley says. The trick plays keep the Bears' locker room engaged said Nagy, and he appreciates the ownership the players have taken during the week when they know the play might be uh, coming on Sunday. Uh, plus, it's a lot of fun. Uh, when they work, Nagy said they're awesome. When they don't work, they're not too awesome. Uh, Finley continues, at the least, uh, they give opponents, uh, the opponent uh, defensive coordinator something to worry about. If you th- And here's Nagy. Now listen to this. Here's the key. If you think you just want to stay vanilla and you uh, just try to continue to run the same things over and over again, eventually defenses will figure it out and stop it. Probably like Fox last year. Nagy continued, adding creativity to it 
some misdirections and doing multiple things from it. It's, it's difficult. It's hard here. It's hard to defend. So you've got to always try to stay, listen, as one step ahead of those defensive coordinators. So the Bears are up 14 nothing. Fox Television. The Bears line up two quarterbacks. That's the Willy Wonka, right, Fred? Uh-huh. Is that what we learned? Yep. yep. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening, watching, and, and Tom uh, Brenneman, he's not too happy. He's not too happy with the play. Is this at cut six here, uh, Felix? All right. So let's go to Fox TV. Second quarter early. Bears already up 14 nothing, marching down of the field. In fact, they're first and goal on the four. And they have two quarterbacks in the backfield here with Chase Daniel and Mitchell Trubisky. All star. Offense, well, you know, you, you just wonder sometimes. Five, and I'm not saying that's not the reason Kyle Long down. jumped off sides, but when you're going so good, and this is the best quarter and three minutes the Bears have had on offense the entire year, why all of a sudden are you putting two quarterbacks and trying to get tricky into a game? Because they believe in what they're doing, and they Spoon. want that, and they trust that. And that, you see Matt Nagy right there. Upset. I, I understand your point, but his point is I'm showing people a lot of different things, and I trust that we've corrected enough that we won't screw it up. All right, stop the tape. Brenneman, can you believe you would do this after things? Are... See, here's a guy that's 40 years behind the times, 30 yep. years behind the times. Mm-hmm. Brenneman, he's stuck in the groove and still thinks he's in Cincinnati, you know, hanging around with watching Chris Spillman at Ohio State or at high school. And he hates Chicago, and he can't wait to go, what the heck kind of play is this? Two quarterbacks, why you get... Well, here, if you read Patrick Finley today, and I only touched on it, it's a great piece. He talks about uh, how it, it brings the team together, uh, camaraderie rise, uh, it keeps the defensive coordinators off balance. He says, instead of taking 14 seconds in the huddle, squeeze left, Y left, zebra right, counter motion. He says, we just go, Willy Wonka, got more time on the clock. All right, fine. There was an offside uh, illegal procedure there. The Bears bring, bring the same play out, Fred. Yep. Still in the second quarter. This will be uh, cut eight, right, of, of Felix? Cut eight. And it's the same play. Oh, we're going to go to cut seven. Bears line up. Correct. Thank you. So a few plays later, two, three plays later, Fred, the Bears line up the same thing, right? The two quarterbacks uh, back in the shotgun, the same play that Tom was was chuckling at and mocking uh-huh. just about a minute earlier. Well, what do you think is going to happen now when there's no illegal procedure, no offside, and they get the play snapped? You see Chase Daniel coming in. Well, last time they tried this, they had a false start. Uh, Two quarterbacks in the game. Oh, yeah, now it's a smart play. See that? 
Yeah. By well, the way, he had no idea where the ball was. Well, but if you listen, it does. He 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 never knows where the ball no. is. I've, I caught this like two or three years yeah. ago. Tom Brenneman doesn't make a call until the play is almost over. Right. On a long pass, he'll wait till the ball is caught and the guy's in the touchdown in the in the end zone, and he'll say a long pass. Well, yeah. it's already over with already. He did the same thing there. He waited till the ball till Gabriel was in he the end zone. He didn't even know where the ball was. It and, was a shovel yeah. pass forward, and then described the play. Yeah, you know what? If you if it works and they keep paying you for it, that's great. Uh, but listen, next time you hear a Tom Brennan call, listen and you'll be surprised. Oh, that's what they were trying to do the first time. Yeah. Oh, can, oh yeah. The two it worked. Yeah. One minute earlier, you thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. Why couldn't he say, you know, I was wrong. That was a great play. Congratulate. No, no, no. In fact, we'll play it as we break out. Got some great, great information regarding Wilson Contreras from the great John Dewan, the man with the numbers. It's thanks to uh, uh, Fox uh, TV. Yep. And uh, Murph and Fred back in a flash. Uh, Jesse at 10. Uh, Mark Potash, Bears, and much more at 11. Uh, give me a little pat down on the music there, Felix the Cat. Let's go out with that same cut and, uh, well, you know. You see Chase Daniel coming in. The last time they tried this, they had a false start. Two quarterbacks in the game. Quarterbacks in the backfield here with Chase Daniel and Mitchell Trubisky. All star offense. Well, you know, you, you just wonder sometimes. And I'm not saying that's not the reason Still Kyle Long down. jumped off sides, but when you're going so good, and this is the best quarter and three minutes the Bears have had on offense the entire year, why all of a sudden are you putting two quarterbacks and trying to get tricky into a game? Because they believe. <laughs> in flash. Murph and Freddie has been 1,000. Stay dry. It's okay downtown right now, Murph and Fred. The sun's actually out, which is weird. It wasn't supposed to be out for a while. The sun is always out when we're talking sports on Saturday, Fred. At least that's what I always tell myself. We're one minute away from John DeWan. John DeWan over at uh, statoftheweek.com, baseballinfosolutions.com. I sent a little uh, note out to John during the week. Busy guy, and never, you know, and he responded. In fact, he said he might call in here in about a minute. So uh, I said, Hi, John Murph here. I think I pretty much understand the uh, often used phrase in statistical analysis. Uh, regression to the mean. I think I know what it means, Fred, but uh-huh. how come they don't say progression to the mean if the guy's going to be going up? is It makes it sound like it's always going down. Right. I thought regress down was down and progress was up, but what do I know? I'm just a fan. Uh, whether I, I said, I don't know if I fully buy into regression to the mean, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Quick thought, uh, John, in general, and I'm thinking about guys like Hap, you know, and the Contreras and Elmora, Schwarber. Sure. Guys that only have maybe one, two, three years under their belt. Yep. I, I sort of understand if you've got a 10-year guy, you know, 
and uh, he has a blip in year seven. And okay, he's probably and he usually pulls back to his uh, the old back of the baseball card average. You know, you hate that. Well, yeah, but I I, I can see it more in a ten year guy, you okay. know, or a seven year guy. So I asked him, uh, you know, what about a guy with just two years under his belt? A guy like, you know, say, Wilson Contreras. He had a bad year in year two after a good year in year one and a half a year before that. Would it stand to reason to, to say he'll have a better year next year to get back to the mean when he hasn't played that much? I said, I don't think so, but you're the man with the numbers. Uh, what do you think? And he sent back a nice response. John, phone in? Beautiful. Let's go to the celebrity line. Let's play a little song for John's favorite music. Welcome. Welcome, John. To the machine. Let's go over to statoftheweek.com. It's John DeWine. Hello, Johnson. Hey, Murph and Fred, how you guys doing? Hey, can you hear me okay? I'm in my car, actually. We can hear you fine, John. He's got a computer right. in the back seat right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, just just hey, just tell just tell your is cranking here. Yeah, just just tell your driver to keep the window between you and the driver up so they don't bother you. No, 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 hey, no, no. I'm, I'm driving, but I'm pulled over. I'm pulled over. Don't worry about it. Uh, John, John still has the card table in the basement on the northwest side when he used to uh, crunch numbers and uh, then uh, go back to work as an actuarial uh, guy with the insurance business. Uh, did you real? I saw you, you had a hole in the one shoe one time, John. You came over to the '89 to visit me on the air and back about 20 years ago, and it was snowing out, and your feet were cold. And so I, I bet John still has that same car from 20 years ago because he ain't spent. <laughs> He's a great. Well, actually, I don't. I'm in a Tesla, Murph. I just got my new <laughs> Model Three Tesla. And there you I'm, go. I'm like, I just want to sit in this car all the time and drive it. Feels so cool. <laughs> I, I love it. So, uh, John, uh, we had just uh, mentioned all the listeners out there. It's a sort of a Wilson Contreras a topic, and I I read the question I sent to you. You know, regression to the mean and all that. And he's a two year. Can you, uh, for all of us out there that think we know what regression to the mean means? Means, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> well, I heard you uh, talking about regression or progression. You're right. It's not really good wording. It's really regression or progression. Um, and it simply means that you can expect a player who had an exceptionally good year to do worse the next. Or if he had an exceptionally bad year, he'll do better the next mm -hmm. so it's you know you know players have good years and players have bad years and and generally that if they have a bad one they're going to come back the next year and vice versa so uh, take wilson Contreras as an example all right now so, uh, my, my my question also was and thank you for that say i was right it's progression yep. or regression that made my whole week. Right, you made my whole weekend right there with that, by the way, John. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you, you made my whole weekend. So I'm still thinking, you know, I got Cal Ripken's back of his baseball card, okay? I got, what, 18, 20 years. I got Billy Williams back in the old days. You know, guys played 18, 20. I, I can see, okay, year eight, he had a blip up or a blip down, and it pulls back towards the middle. 
But my my initial question before we get to Wilson Contreras, John, is uh, I like the Cubs. You know, you got Hap, you got Elmore, you got Schwarber, you got Contreras. Guys with one, two, or three years on the old, uh, you know, back of the baseball card. Before we get specific. Isn't that too short or small of, I hate the phrase, sample size? But, where, you know, how much of a guy's history do you need before you can start projecting uh, progression, regression? So, you know, your sample size is the right word, Murph. Um, and the fact is, we have a bigger sample size than just their major league playing. Uh, you know, this goes back to Bill James uh, when he was analyzing minor league stats. And you can, and we can, and we have, and, and are doing, converting minor league stats to major league equivalencies. So we can take Wilson Contreras, and who had a 892 OPS in 2015 at AA, and say, hey, that translates into, you know, a major league OPS of maybe about, you know, 750. And then when he had a partial year in 2016, he had a thousand OPS. You know that translates to like 900 at the majors. So, it, you know, we've studied this, go back many, many years, looking at all the minor league and major league stats, and we can we can tell you that minor league stats at the AA and AAA level are just as predictable as major league stats you can combine them and that's what we do so in Contreras's case rather than you know just two and a half years Mm -hmm. of of information at the major league level we have another year and a half that we can add to that at the at the double a and triple a level and so we now we now have four years of information so his first three years you know it's basically he settled in as as a as a nice eight Low 800s, mid 800s OPS guy. That's exceptionally above average. The average is around 730. Well, this year he was at 730. He was Mr. Average. Hmm. Um, and you know, if what if a team is average, what is their record going to be over the course of a year, Murph? <laughs> 81 and 81. That's right. So we don't want average. No. We don't want Wilson Contreras to be average. Hmm. I mean. So, so what can we expect of him? Well, we can expect that he will okay. regress to the mean, and we do have four years of data, and we, you know, so we we actually have his. We're working on projections for the Bill James Handbook as we speak. Oh, the best ever, and, the Bill James um, Handbook. Yep. Yeah, that's coming out in about three weeks, so we're working on it right now. I got you. And um, so I, I can tell you that he's going to get up closer to eight hundred in his OPS uh, next year. Um, he might not get back to the you know mid eight hundreds or low eight hundreds, but uh, um, we're we're projecting him to to regress to the mean or progress. Progress to the mean, to the mean yeah. Now he's going to progress to the mean. Now, John, uh, this would not be in your uh, ballywick here, but it would be when a a, cha- a team, a general team, not the Cubs, a team changes batting hitting coaches. That can throw, I'm guessing everybody out of whack for a while and that's something that's not predictable i don't think by stats unless you guys are so well chili davis's teams do this maybe they got that somewhere fred and john maley's teams uh do this but overall uh it's a little tricky when you look at uh maybe behind the scenes why this might have happened to Contreras, or was it just random walk as they used to say you know 
well, the random walk theory is that you know things are are work walk in a random way. So sure. his, his fluctuation in his batting average and the batting stats will fluctuate, and they do. Mm-hmm. And you know how much does a pitch, uh, hitting coach have to do with that? I don't know. I don't give him that much credit or blame. I think they are helpful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gonna, I'm sorry. You say you don't, don't give the hitting coach that much credit or blame. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that. I just wanted any, to. I just wanted to repeat that because I've been saying that for like two decades. You made Fred's that, weekend. Yeah, you, you made, made my his day. weekend, and you yeah. made mine with the progress. Because <laughs> forever, forever, when the White Sox wanted to fire Greg Walker because he couldn't hit, because uh, the White Sox couldn't hit. Oh, it's all Greg Walker's fault. Okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt you, John. <laughs> no, that so you know I'm right with you. I mean, yeah, it's you know I think they are. It's helpful to have someone around to you know watch what you do and help you. But you're not going to take the talent of a player and get rid of it, or you're not going to make someone who doesn't have talent and all of a sudden give him talent. It's just it's innate in the player, and he has to work at it. But it's it's not you know the hitting coach doesn't make. I I don't think the hitting coach makes that much difference. I think he's helpful, um, but you know it's not it's not over the top. Hey John, uh, before we let you loose on your busy day, uh, a couple quickies. Maybe in the next week or two, or when you get the Bill James handbook ready to roll, uh, you can not only join us, and we'll in a minute ask you how we can uh, hook up with that, of course. But maybe the same thing on Contreras with Yoan Mancada for uh, uh, you and Fred. I'm surrounded by two great White Sox fans here. Yes, you are. So. Um... Mancada, you know, I'm a little worried about him. I mean, his OPS this year was 714. He struck out 217 times, hit 235. You know, 17 homers is okay, but that's kind of, you know, these days that's kind of mediocre. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, he's still only 23 years old, and you're hoping that he can, you know, players as they as they get older between ages uh, you know, let's say 20, like some of the really young guys are now, and 27, you can ex- expect them to get better and better each year. And then after age 27, you can expect, uh, you know, a slight decline until they get until their 30s, then the decline goes faster. So you hope for a guy like that who's young. That's why there's so much hype on young guys. They You can expect them to get better. So, you know, Ronald Acuna of the Braves at age 20 is, you know, that's incredibly exciting to see what he's going to do over in the next few years. Um, but, you know, so that's why there's so much excitement about young guys, and you hope that Moncada is going to improve, but he's starting to establish a baseline that I'm not start, not happy with. No, nope, not me at all. Hey, Fred. We, I want him to break out like Mitch Trubisky did on yes. Sunday. That's what there I'm you go. For. <laughs> Fred, how did John Dewan just do that? He's in his Tesla. I imagine he's pulled over. He just gave us the Moncada. Off the top of his head, or did he pull up the Bill James handbook no, that he, quick? It's probably he, off the top of his head he because he, he was did. so disappointed in the way he's played <laughs> that you know he, he can quote, he can quote how many strikeouts he had because he felt just shy of the record. He did that off the oh top of his God. head. How'd you do that, John? <laughs> Don't tell us it's a secret, right? Uh, you know, I'm driving 65 miles an hour, and it's flashing up on my screen. There you go. <laughs> hey, how do we get a hook? First of all, follow John Dewan, D-E-W-A-N. How do you spell that? Oh, my God, the way they spell John Dewan. Uh, follow John at statoftheweek.com. 
Very simple. He's at BaseballInfoSolutions.com. Is, uh, what's the best way to... Uh, the Bill James Handbook. I call it the Bible. It's got the uh, pers- perspective, projections. It's got the theories. It, it's super. How do we get that, John? So, yeah, that's going to be available, you know, pretty much any bookstore. And, of course, Amazon.com. And uh, the publisher is Act the Sports. You can get it at ActTheSports.com. That's the fast way to get it. It comes out November 1st, Murph. ActiveSports.com. A-C-T-A, correct? A-C-T-A-Sports.com. Very cool. Hey, John, we're springing on your busy day, but next time you join us, I've changed my mind a little bit on shifting. I used to get very irate when they'd say, you know, you got to ban the shift, you got to do this and that. I'm, I'm st- and no one, fo- you know this, Fred, no one follows and has tracked shifting more than uh, John and the guys over there at the BIS.com, the history of it, how often it's used. John, I'm starting to change my mind on maybe something's got to be done for the good of the game. Can we uh, do that next time also? Oh, I'll fight you if you're going to start to say to ban the shift. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll debate you on that one. Well, we don't want to be banning no, the shift. I don't need It's either. like telling the... Defense and, and football, you got to stand in the same spot. You can't go to uh, defense it, and so on. It's, it's kind of like telling the defense in football that you can't touch a receiver after five yards and you got to lay the quarterback down on a pillow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, well, I'm with you, John, but I have a little wrinkle. We'll save that for next time. Thanks a million, All right, John. All right, talk to you. All right, very good. Thanks, guys. See you, John. Hey, John. John DeWine is dead of the week. I know we're running late. Hey, when we return... I heard a soundbite last Sunday on ESPN 1000. We had the soundbite. It was uh, Fred and Mongo, uh-huh. Steve McMichael, with a NFL rule, recent, I guess a rule change I did not know about. Okay. We'll cover that when we return. Jesse talks Cubs at the top of the hour, uh, back in a flash. I love this show. I love this show. Thank you, Tracy Butler, ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, a couple minutes away from Jesse Rogers. So last Sunday, as always, listening to ESPN 1000, Fred, it was you and Mongo. Yep. Well, we were doing Bears pregame. There there will be none tomorrow. I'll be on for three hours talking baseball and football, but no Mongo tomorrow. And uh, I learned something from you guys. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Thank you for teaching me that. I did not know that. (laughs) It was a uh, rule uh, change. Uh, So uh, here we go. Back to uh, last Sunday. It's uh, Fred Humner and Steve Mongo McMichael. Not only are they fair catching punts inside the 10, but they're returning kickoffs that are into the end zone yeah. and getting out to the 20 and then getting the, a 10-yard penalty Fred, for a block in the back. Fred, this is how I've overlooked rulings on special teams. Yesterday, I saw guys fair catching kickoffs. That's a new rule in college. You can do that. They fair catch it, and then they put it up there. Where if they'd have caught it in the end zone. I know. But they're fair catching it in, in field of play. I know. I say, oh, my God. It's a new rule. And look. It's a, one I, of the dumber things I've I ever heard. I see this, too. Yeah. The guy standing on the goal line and the ball's over his head. It's like he, he, he throws his hands up. And it doesn't matter if the ball hits in behind him in the end zone and stays in the end zone. Because that used to be a, still a live ball. It used to be. They changed that rule, too. So Now, once it hits in the end zone, it's yeah. dead. I did not know that. Thank you for teaching <laughs> Fred, me that. I did not know that. Fred Mongo. So a kickoff 
Here's kickoff. It's lying there in the end zone. No one's around the ball. It used to be live ball. Right, live the ball. kicking team, the Bears could run down, fall on it for a touchdown, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No more? No, as soon as it hits in the end zone, it's dead. Dead ball. Take it out to the 25. They don't want any contact anywhere no. if they can help it. They should just start every <laughs> series at the 25-yard line. It doesn't make any sense I not to. I know. You're, just, yeah. you're right. Uh, Tell you what, one hour history, two hours to go. Jesse next. You don't want to miss Jesse. Oh, Scoop Rogers. He's got a big (laughs) scoop from last night regarding uh, uh, the Cubs. Back in a flash, he has been 1,000. One minute away from Jesse, Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred. We're busy today, the first hour. Fred, we'll get back on the Bears later, okay? With uh, Mark Potter. Bears is always good. There's baseball going on. Four playoff games yesterday. Two more today. It's unbelievable. And then the NFL tomorrow without the Bears. I don't know. No, oh, in fact, I'm glad Terrible. you mentioned that. We have uh, one of our many Twitter polls out there, and these have been active for about two or three hours. So uh, get your vote in. Uh, one of ours uh, is regarding what you just said, uh, Fred. Uh, this is here's the uh, statement. This is the Bears' bye week. A or uh, B or C? Vote now at ESPN 1000. We've got about nine or ten great uh, poll questions up. This is Bears' bye week. A. This is the worst possible time uh-huh. for the bye. They're, they're hot. They won three in a row. Oh man. B. This is the best possible time. They had a long preseason. They started a week earlier than everyone else with the new coach. They played the five games. All the media and the discussion and Trubisky. These guys, this is the best possible time they need a break. Or C, the bye week's overrated. Would you guys get off it already? Let's go to, let's go to, I don't know, Milwaukee, Denver, Chicago. Where is the little guy? But it's Saturday. Where in the world is Jesse Rogers? Jesse, hey Jesse. <laughs> Good morning, Murph and Fred. What's happening? Happy playoffs to you. Thanks. Everything's fine. So last night, I don't know, eight, nine, ten o'clock. I'm up in the the little office area there, and I'm you know working on the show. And of course, I have ESPN 1000 on in the background, and I'm listening to the great uh, Shulman. What's it, Matt? Dan uh, Shulman. Dan Shulman. Uh-huh. And the game ends. And he's, oh, we're going to throw it now down to Jesse Rogers. Oh, this is great. The little guy's national. He's coast to coast. By the way, he did a great job. We have a couple little sound bites here. I know you never get to hear yourself on the radio. Fred, 25 years, I've never once listened to myself. Like okay. a, you know, an air check, as they call him, or a PD would bring you. Now, listen, yeah. this was terrible, Murphy. 30, <laughs> yeah, 36 years, my wife's never listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jesse, this was great. He's thrown it down to you, uh, Schulman, uh, and you're on the field. And I'm picturing, okay, Jesse's running around down there. And is, does Jesse have someone? Does Jesse, I'm thinking, oh no, they're going to throw it down to Jesse, and there's no one there. Well, here, let's eavesdrop. Jesse Rogers is standing by and trying to get an interview from one of the players on the Brewers. Uh oh. And he now has one, hey! Joaquin Soria, with Jesse Rogers. 
key seventh inning for you. Man on third, nobody out. You get two right. strikeouts in a row. What was your uh, thought process there? You had uh, to be thinking light uh, contact or none, yeah. and you got none. Yeah, that was, that was my thought process. All right. Now, Jesse, a couple things. That was great, by the way. A couple things. Number one, have you ever had them throw it down to you and you put them and the guy doesn't speak English? No, because that's what you do ahead of time—a little homework. And I'm and I'm I made sure the couple three guys who were going okay. after all spoke English because I don't speak Spanish, so well, it would have been an awkward. Interview. Yes, it might have well, been. You know, your question was a great question. It was really in depth and everything. And my question is: Did you have a couple of those? Depending on who you were going to get, did you have a couple set up already? Exactly right. Fred. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I talked to Eric Kratz right after that, so I. But questions for three or four different guys, sure. and when I knew it was Soria, okay. I knew I wanted to talk about nice. that seventh inning. Cool. Now, Dan Schulman, yeah. uh, and everyone likes, you know, uh, inside radio. It's a radio workshop. Uh, you weren't real, Dan Schulman. Just is trying to get someone. Now, with a big network national radio like that, you're not actually running around there. Is there a someone that does that and pulls someone over, the PR guy from the – how does that work behind the yeah, scenes? You're exactly right. Uh, both both the, the, the network guy and the Brewers guy were helping me out. In that moment, that's the first time there was ever even a pause because they had to get Soria out of the locker room. They figured he was going to come out to celebrate, and I mentioned him as one of the guys oh, they wanted. Okay. And so he was coming out of the locker room to celebrate. He wasn't in the dugout. So it took that one extra second for him to get out, out from the locker room. That's why, cool. that's why Dan stalled for a moment. Now you had a double barrel uh, interview uh, down yeah. there. He got paid twice. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, usually he gets paid zero. Yeah. I'm uh, no, just kidding. So now Jesse gets the uh, you know star of the game or one of the hitting stars of the game, Eric uh, Kratz. And it's a great interview. Now, it's the, here's the very end of the interview, Jesse. I know so much happened yesterday, you have no idea what we're leading up to. But I was very impressed after the great interview. Here's the tail end. Uh, catcher Eric Kratz had the two big hits. And, well, he actually he knows Jesse. He knows who he's talking to. Here, let's listen. I, I can't say enough. These guys, these guys execute pitches, and they are not afraid to come after hitters. They really aren't, and that's so awesome. Thank you. Good luck in Denver. Absolutely. Thanks, Jesse. All right. That's Eric Kratz. Back to you, Dan. Hold on. I'm sitting there at home. I don't... Eric Kratz knows Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. So I asked Felix Reyes. Here, Felix the cat. I said, do you think every major leaguer knows Jesse? And it doesn't matter who he interviews. They all go, hey, thanks, Jesse. And they start singing, hey, Jesse. It's like a party. That would have been even funnier if he started singing it. How did he know your name? Well, I reminded him my name in the in the moment right before he went on. But you know he's been on the Brewers all season, and right. we played them. We played them twenty times. That's right. And, and a good you know you know how it is. Uh, the, one of the better guys to go to on any team is the backup catcher. Nice. So I got to know him a little bit, this right. year, but I didn't know for sure if he remembered my name. <laughs> so I quickly said it before we started up again. Did you have that uh, like a convention near uh, with a big name tag? <laughs> Hi, I'm Jesse. <laughs> that definitely could help me in, the, in, in a visiting locker room. Sure. You're right. That way, everybody uh, in the league would know my name eventually. All right. Well, you're not just Jesse. You're also a Scoop Rogers. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Jesse, I understand. Uh, well, you can uh, paint the picture, but you talked to some of the Milwaukee uh, uh, Brewers uh, pitchers and uh, uh, one of the Rockies pitchers. Uh, uh, set the table first, and then I understand uh, you asked him something. You asked him about the Cubs a little bit, too, right? Well, what a good opportunity, right? That both 
pitching staffs shut out the Cubs on back-to-back days, right? Real nice microcosm of the Cubs' second half was Monday and Tuesday, losing 163, scoring a run, and then the wild-card game scoring one run. So here's Milwaukee, Colorado in the same building. I figured I got some time. So I talked to two Milwaukee pitchers, one Rockies pitcher. Microphone's off, just shooting the you-know-what. In fact, since we're, we're talking about Spanish and English and everything, one of them was a Latin pitcher. I'll, I'll reveal that much. And so it, it's funny because we, we couldn't do a complete conversation, but, I, but all, you, don't need, you, you only need a little bit to understand what a pitcher is saying in this respect. And I got basically the same answer. My question was, why was it so, and I use the word easy, why was it so easy to pitch the Cubs down the stretch and certainly in the couple games you guys faced them? And I'm just going to sort of repeat the Latin pitcher. And they all said similar. They all said similar. The Latin pitcher was just like, slider, away, away, slider, down, down, slider. He kept on mentioning slider, but the key thing he said was, away and down, outside of the zone. And that's what the other two pitchers basically said as well. And I've, I brought this up recently, but I, did, I didn't look at the final numbers, so I did after talking to them, those three pitchers. I went upstairs and I looked at it. The chase percentage, this is huge. The Cubs really, and like any team would, really want their pitchers and hitters to dominate the strike zone, to have command of the strike zone. Seems like the most simple thing. For the season... For the season, this World Series contending wannabe team, chased, uh, their chase percentage was 30%. That ranked 26th in baseball. Only four teams chased outside the zone more. In the second half, guys, in the second half, it went up to 31%. Only two teams chased more outside the zone as hitters. 28th in the league in the second half. As pitchers, just to use the converse you know, uh, example, in the first half, getting opponent, uh, 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 opposition hitters, you know, opponents to, to chase, p- Cubs pitchers, last in the league. Last in the league. They couldn't get anybody to chase. In the second half, as we all know, the Cubs pitching was better. They, got them, they were up to 17th in the league. Still not top 10 or anything, but at least they were better. So in hitting, they were basically last in the second half. In pitching, they were last in the first half. In chasing. And this was a huge thing, I think, for this team. If you start chasing, man, you are easy outs. You are easy outs. And the Cubs did it all year long, and they certainly did it in the second half. And three different pitchers basically said the same exact thing. Wow, that's very insightful. By the way, good job. But let's uh, augment on that, Fred, uh, Jesse. They had a streak, and we all talked about it back uh, in L.A., what was it, June, when they started going opposite field, which is what we're talking about when you try to pull uh, the outside slider away, slider away, either miss it or you roll it over for a ground ball, 6-4-3 double play or whatever. When you go with the outside slider down and away, you try to smack it you know, to right field, obviously. This tells me a lot. I'm not sure what it's telling us, though. They all, I shouldn't say all, many of them stopped trying to go with the pitch, is the old expert. Go with the pitch. Very simple. Why would they all stop trying to go with the pitch? I don't know. Were they all being selfish? Did they all want to jack the home run and be the hero? Were they mad because they saw other teammates not going oppo? So they said, well, if they're going to let the, these guys not try to uh, go with it, why should I go with it? We don't know the answer to this, Jesse, because we've just started. Uh, but right. uh, wouldn't that be the case? There's, 
it's too much of a coincidence, I guess is what I'm saying, for all the most most all of the uh, uh, Cubs hitters to stop going with the pitch and driving that slider down and away the other way or laying off it. I, I agree with your question mark uh, around all that stuff because I, I brought you the what. I don't know the why, right. and I don't know if I don't know if the Cubs know the why. Now, what I didn't do is break down the chase percentage for each player. We could, you know, sure. if we really want to get in the weeds, we could start doing that. But I agree with you. Why did the? And, and you were right. As the All Star break approached, this offense was starting to hum. They were they were going the opposite way. They were getting some home runs. We know power was down, but the numbers were good at the All Star break, and then they just took a dive in the second half. I don't know the why. I don't think they know the why. And that's why I think a lot of Theo's press conference was just conjecture, talking about losing the edge, talking about this, talking about that. Who knows? I mean, who really knows? Um, They won 95 games, so we're only looking for a little difference here. But offensively, if you just look at the offense, that was not a 95-win offense. They got there as a team, and that's how you're supposed to do it. But this offense has to be better. We know that. One of the things that in Theo's talk that seemed to really jump out, and he didn't say it, uh, you know, he didn't bring up the meatloaf uh, quote, but Joe does so often, two out of three, and that didn't seem to settle. Uh, two out of three, baby. Yeah. That didn't seem to set too well with uh, Theo taking two of the, you know, the first two games in the three-game series and then losing the third one. Uh, that didn't set, seem to set too well with him. Yeah, I heard, you know, that's the part. I'm that's just not sure of, Fred. I mean, now you're asking teams to sweep here and there. I mean, y- yes, you'd like it, but all, I, all I've ever heard Growing up watching baseball, listening to baseball is win series, win series, win series. Well, they went 4-0-1 in the last five, and they still lost the division. So I understand that, and I don't disagree with once in a while. You've got to put your foot down and go on a seven- or eight-game win streak, which means a couple sweeps. And maybe that's the reason they went from ten runs to one run sometimes. Maybe that's all part of it. Like, there's the, oh, we won two, we're okay, we'll be fine. And then, they, you know, they mail it in. Maybe, there, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. But all I know is they did win enough games to get to 95, but you needed 96. There's no doubt about it. So, I'm, Fred, I'm not sure the answer to that. But, yes, I took note of that, and maybe maybe they did let up. The one thing I said afterwards when, when I went on the air about the Theo thing, the one thing that resonated was there may have been a little bit, we're the Cubs, we're going to be okay, we've been here before, we know what we're doing. Yeah. They talked a good game. Did they always translate that, translate that on the field? Maybe not. Maybe they they rested on their laurels a little bit here and there. I can't disagree with that. Do you know what their longest win streak was? Five, six, maybe. Yeah. See, that's that, that's that's a big difference. That's probably one of the shorter long, right. one of the shorter longest winning streaks of any of the better teams in baseball. Let me say I agree this, with that, but of course their losing streaks were kind of yeah. short too. It was, right. It was this weird back that's and true. forth. I don't disagree with you though, Fred. Jesse, uh, Fred, <clears throat> there's something going on. All right, something going on. Down and, here, and uh, and what it is ain't exactly clear. No, Theo we, tried. I got that. In, I got that in the system, by yeah. the way. For what it's worth, that was the name of the song. Now, I can do the uh, back of the envelope math in my head, even though I went to SIU Carbondale. If you win two out of every three, now I'm not talking three game series because there's four game series, there's two game series, there's five game with the rain out, there's one game. With the way the Cubs had it, there were a couple of one games. If you win two out of every three, I can do this in my head. 54 times three is 162. 54 times two is 108. So You're the Red Sox. 108. They won 108. If you win two out of every three. three. Yeah. So for some reason, see, I don't know exactly why. Uh, it's two out of three.
meatloaf. See, why did Theo think it was so important to say that? That two out of three may not be good enough. This is, now here's the thing. This is Joe's mantra. This is what Joe's always done. He's always tried to get the players, this is just me speaking, Jesse. He's always tried to get the players to, you know, don't feel that they will let the pressure exceed the pleasure and all that. And maybe that gets old. You know, I, I'm first to admit it. Maybe after three, four years, Mike Ditka throwing the gum, you know, the players tune you out. I'm not saying they do. I'm saying who knows, right? You never know. But sure. for Theo to pinpoint things like this, there's something going on. Now, what did he want Joe to do? Play Zobrist 162 games, right? Well, then he wouldn't have been up near the league lead in hitting because he'd have, in my opinion, he wouldn't, he would have broken down. He would have got tired. He might have got hurt. What are you going to do? Play Hayward every day? You're going to play Almar every day? You're going to play, and, and you were right. I heard you the other day. Maybe Schwarber is a guy that could, should play more to get in the group. Maybe yes, maybe no. Who knows, right? right. The, the point is, if, and here, if I were Joe Madden, and this is why I would never probably be anywhere in the position like this. If I were Joe Mann today, Jesse, I'd tell them to go blank themselves and I'd quit. And I'll tell you why. I'm not asking you to give an opinion, but you're welcome to, and Fred. No, I, I will. I, I would quit. I would quit right now. You know what? Okay, you don't like what I've done? Fine. He's got one year left on the deal. He could get a job tomorrow with the Los Angeles, California Angels. Uh, five years <clears throat> at at least a six, seven he's making now. Go back with his original team. Does he need this? Everybody calling up every day saying this about Joe. Maybe it's, maybe it's valid. Maybe it's not. That ain't the point. Joe Madden, he needs every day people criticizing every move. Now he needs Theo saying that we weren't intense enough. Uh, and then he goes, oh, it might have been the players. Might have been everybody. It might have been me. He never said me. I understand that. But, Right now, if I'm Joe, and that's, that's just me, it won't happen, probably. Why wouldn't he just say, okay, bye-bye, thank you, work out a deal, you put the $6 million next, you get to the Angels, everybody's happy. I'm telling you, I wouldn't stand for this if I were him. I don't need it. Well, I think he enjoys the job too much, and he, and he understands all that stuff. He understands this, the ancillary, you know, the rhetoric that goes on. And there was some throwing Joe under the bus here and there, there's no doubt. Um, but, but, but Theo took some blame, too. Those off-season acquisitions didn't work out. I will say this about the lineup. Now, I sat with Joe. You guys know this. Sure. I sat with Joe a year ago. He sends that lineup out early in the morning to the entire front office. He gets input from the geeks every single day, the guys that run the computers. If Theo wants something done, he's the boss. And Now, granted, Theo can't go down there and pull pictures and all that stuff, but Theo can absolutely have a say in the lineup. They sure. say they, they like to let the manager do his job, but still, every so often, there's no doubt that Theo and Jed give their input. They could say, look, That's fine. Let's, let's let Hat play for a week. So my right. point is... They're all in it together. Mm -hmm. if, you don't like, if you don't like someone playing so much, it's on Theo as much as Joe. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that. No, yeah. Because Theo gets that lineup every day, and he's the boss. He can tell Joe what to do. There are plenty of GMs that tell their manager what to do. And Theo, and Theo I think, does a good job of staying hands-off. But at some point, if he doesn't like how things are going, he can say something. And you're not wrong. I actually think Theo doesn't mind the rotation at all. It's not about that. I think it's about other things that that maybe came up. But the rotation, Theo gave them Ian Happ to play. You know what? Right? Yep. I mean, it, it's on Theo. If you, if you don't like the rotation, it's on Theo as much as it is Joe. I'm sorry. I'm going to believe that. Theo's the boss. He gives them the players. They have a deep group, and he wants uh, them to get the rest just like Joe does. They're, they're lock and step in those things. 
So uh, there's a lot of things you can you can tie them together on. Not everything, but a lot of them. So if you blame one, you got to blame both. Jess, you're around the players a lot, obviously all season long, and you know, and it's also been intimated by some people that there are several players that aren't real happy with the way the lineup is. That they're not out there as much as they'd like to be out there. Now, I would be, I would be upset if there wasn't players that wanted right. to be out there more often. But you know, and if their names are Almora or and Hap, then I don't have a problem with that. But you know, I, do, do you think was there grumbling that you ever heard? That of guys that, you know, just said, you know, this lineup sometimes just gets to me and, and bothers me, and I'd like to be out there. I'd like to know when I'm out there. I'd like to be out there six of the seven days. Yeah, I mean, it's very under the surface, Fred. And it, that part cracked me up because all this team talks about is the camaraderie and right. the team first thing, and it doesn't matter how much we play. And Al Moore and Schwarber publicly <laughs> go out of their way to talk about team first. It doesn't matter. But I do know under the surface there, there's, there's some of that, but it's, it, it is natural. If you're coming up in baseball, you want to, and you have the ability to play every day. You want that chance. Yeah. You for sure. What did I, I said on the air the other day? If you're batting three, three hundred fifty times as opposed to four hundred fifty times, of course you're not developing as quickly. Of course you're not. But it might be best for the team, and that's all they've ever said publicly. Then here goes Theo saying, "Well, maybe we need to communicate a little bit better with the players." Well, of course. Of course Schwarber wants to play every day. Of course Elmore wants to play every day. Yet they won't say it publicly because that goes against the team you know, mantra. So there's a lot there going on. I don't think anybody is like, ah, get me off this team angry. But I think a few guys, for development purposes, would like to see more at-bats. Look, Javi wanted it. He got it. He developed. Yep. There's no doubt it helps you develop. But it might be you know, anti to what the team needs. Visiting for a final couple of minutes, our guy Jesse Rogers doing a great job on the national uh, beat right now. One of my uh, Cubs, uh, one of our Fred Cubs Twitter poll questions uh, is, okay, here we go. If Theo backs up the truck, I think everyone knows that phrase, right, Fred? Mm -hmm. If Theo backs up the truck this offseason, he will use a, a cute small little pickup truck. B, a flatbed Ford. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford. C, a moving van, or D, an 18-wheeler. Now, he's going to... Back it up here. All right. All right. Backing up the truck, Jesse. Get it? I think you gave me that sound effect in uh, uh, second year. Okay. Point is, I don't want to say Theo's in a pickle. As far as next year's 25 man, because you're never in a pickle if you've got a boss that can, that has, remember the unlimited Coca-Cola's over at the Shakey's uh, Pizza when you were a kid, uh, Jesse? Uh, no, uh, it was when you were a kid, I think, not me. You <laughs> still get unlimited bottomless Cokes in most places. Anyway, yes, you do. You do. does Mr. Ricketts have a bottomless checkbook? Now, I know it's easy to say, they're printing money, which they are. Fred pointed out the TV network's coming, right, yeah, Fred? TV network's coming, everything's going. But there's still got to be a point, Scoop Rogers, where eventually any owner... Now, you know, if, if a guy like Mr. Epstein had been a GM for, say, the Minnesota Twins that don't have any money, imagine August and September, July this year, if you're a GM of a team with no money. You can't pick up Hamels, Murphy, Chavez, Kinsler, De La Rosa... Because you got no money. Now there's a GM that's really in a pickle. If you're up with a team, uh, you know that's got no money. 
I don't know that Mr. Ricketts is handing an unlimited checkbook over. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. That's none of my business right now, but his fans will find out later. My point is this. How is he going to improve this team? He being Theo Epstein. Number one, there's only three ways we all know to improve any team in any sport. Uh, farm system coming up. Trades of players you have and free agents. Well, two out of three ain't bad this time. Well, it is bad because they don't have anybody farm system. So there goes on one of the three. Free agents, he's going to be signing with the checkbook. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to be heavy hitters for Harper Machado. They have to. They got no choice. They got to go after a DJ LeMayo for second base. And they got the checkbook. But the trades, now here's where we're getting, here's where it gets a little interesting. Who does he have to trade? Well, he's got three guys that were number one picks, and they're all at the bottom of their value right now. You got Happy, you got Schwarber, and you got Almora. Jesse, if you were a GM of this team, and we're not looking at Theo in this one, I'm looking at you and Fred and me, mm-hmm. how would you go about improving this team? So would you be looking uh, to back up the truck with a small little cute little pickup, a flatbed Ford, a moving van, or an 18-wheeler? And then what would you, uh, what do you think a guy uh, in that, the big chair, as Ned Coletti's book was titled, what's the guy in the big chair do you think uh, planning out right now? Well, this is what I think. I think the the further we get away from those bad losses, the less emotional uh, you have to be, and you'll sit down, you look at this thing, and you say the small pickup because of one thing, one number, 95. You got to 95 with all these little things you didn't like about your team. Uh, the offseason acquisitions didn't work out, the injuries, Joe didn't do this, whatever, and you still got to 95. So you cannot, you cannot overreact to that. You just can't. You have to realize one thing. The division is pretty darn good, and it's only getting better. If Cincinnati gets any pitching and Pittsburgh's pitching carries over, watch out. Those bottom feeders aren't so bad. We know Milwaukee's around, and St. Louis is always around. So I don't think you can overreact and and back it up completely. First of all, you can't revamp your team in one offseason, in my mind, and contend like that anyway. I just think you'd you'd be messing with too much. So you tweak, you, you add Bryce Harper, that's quite the tweak. You add Machado, you move a couple of the position players to make room and to give other guys at bats, Murph. So it's like add one, subtract two, okay. you know what I mean? Some, yeah. you know, some sort of thing like that because you did get to 95 wins. You just got to figure out exactly what was missing offensively, especially I think pitching-wise, you, you kind of, okay, it was a little slow start, but not every season is going to go exactly to plan. But the offense in the second half, there, there was no plan for that. Like, you could not predict that. So, here we go. Let's fix this here. Let's fix this there. Let's add a dynamic hitter, and let's go back to war. You're exactly right. I think I would be looking that he's going to have to do more than the a little, uh, I think maybe the flatbed Ford, but we'll find out. But I'll leave you with this, Fred and, and Jesse. Not only... The great uh, stats you had there on the Cubs swinging uh, at uh, pitches down and away before. Chase, their chase, chase. percentage. Thank yeah. you, Fred. Uh-huh. Thank you, Jeff. I heard this. I believe it to be true. Did not double-check it. Cubs in the second half led the league in poop balls hit. Do you remember our buddy Jimmy Pearsall used to talk about poop balls? Little, I do remember that. Little weak ground balls. Well, you know what they're called now? Jimmy didn't have the phrase. Low exit velo. There Jimmy Jimmy called them poop balls. The and you mentioned the most ground balls in the second half of any team. I didn't know that until he said it. And the lowest exit velocity Cubs hitters 
I don't know if that was NL or MLB in the second half. But when you hit too many, when you lead the league in hitting, uh, <laughs> I won't say the word again, long exit <laughs> velo balls, poop balls, that's, that's no gouda. Yeah, it goes back to what those pitchers said to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, 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 you know, I asked why it was so easy. They confirmed that it was. And chasing, that, that's weak contact if you start chasing, right? And the other thing is, I think inside the zone, the Cubs weren't great either. So, no. so something very weird happened in, in the second half on offense that they, I think they, they need to do a forensic examination yeah. on. I think they, I think they are. Where's our friend Billy Peterson? He's got, he's doing nothing. <laughs> let me, exactly. I'll, let me quick augment that for maybe a topic for you to uh, write at ESPN1000.com, Jesse. Hitting coaches, and we're not going to get involved in that, but they have a second thing. They have to teach thinking what the pitcher is going to be throwing. That's another thing, not just mechanics. Put your elbow up, put your arm, you know, all that jazz. The Cubs never realized that the opposing pitchers were pitching them backwards. In other words, the 2-0 count, two balls, no strikes, you think a fastball's coming, but when they throw it backwards, they throw you off speed or breaking ball or the slider. Conversely, when it's like uh, no balls, two strikes, backwards, you think, oh, they're going to waste one away. Boom! They trick you with a fastball, pitch you backwards. I've had baseball people tell me that the Cubs hitters aren't aware that everyone's pitching them backwards. And Barzello, who everybody loves, and I don't, you don't have to comment on this. I'm sure he's a wonderful fellow. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But he does the same thing. The pitching coach, Hickey, does not teach thinking. He t- teaches, here's how you hold the curveball, a slider. In, in my opinion, Barzello works with them and goes, all right, now if, if this batter's 0-2, you throw him this, you throw him that. Seems like they outguess us, the opposing hitters, more than our hitters outguess them, but... Luckily, Jesse, we're up against the clock. It's been a great year, and uh, you're always above and beyond. You're there for Murph and Fred. Are they sending you to Colorado now, or do you, are you home until Milwaukee again? Yeah, just all the Milwaukee home games, it looks like, until they're eliminated. I think that's the deal. Okay. Okay. So, well, no. well they'll, you know, there'll be at least one more. Right. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. There's at least one more, if not more. Yeah. yeah. I fully expect them to be in the NLCS. We'll, go, we'll see from there. They will well, lose. yeah, because the Rockies are in like the Cubs. Well, but then they go back home, and then they hit crazy there. Then they'll come back to Milwaukee and score a run. It's crazy. They're... The difference with them. You, but right now, they're hitting like the Cubs. You're yeah. right. You can remind the cheeseheads that uh, when they face the Dodgers, they'll be lucky to win one game. But let them have fun right now. We'll uh, probably be one nothing games, Dodgers-Brewers. You know yes. what I mean? The way these teams two, two teams. Yelich will hit a home run. That'll be that game. Uh, he's you been know, on Justin fire. Turner for Dodgers. By the way, Yelich is a guy that's yeah. you pitch him backwards, he'll hit a homer there. I mean, he's he's hitting everything. They're, yeah. they're throwing first pitch changeups to him. He's hitting yeah. out. Guy's been on fire. Amazing. And yeah. Jimmy Pearsall hit the 100th homer and ran backwards around the bases. So there you right, go. Right, he did. <laughs> All right. Jesse, uh, great. Hope you'll have a few minutes for us uh, throughout the winter. And uh, enjoy uh, any time off that you get. All right, buddy? You got it, guys. Always enjoy talking Thanks. to you, too. You know that. Love you guys. Hey, Jess. Try not to suck. Jesse's book is available. Murph and Fred, that's our mantra also. We're a minute or two behind. Let's catch up on a few things. We'll get back on some Bears talk. We'll pepper in more baseball. Mark Potash at 11, sometimes Bears guy, Blackhawks guy, baseball guy. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred 
Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hope you're having a great weekend. Fred and I are, as of now. Of course, we have till noon. Any we can screw it up, Fred. Yeah, you know, just one thing. I know we're getting into some football stuff, but yeah. Jesse was talking about the '95 wins, and that's all. There were ten teams this year that won 90 games. But the American League was heavier on the uh, number, no, well, or maybe not. I'm sorry. Well, okay. I mean, well, you, you look the Brewers and the the, yeah. the Brewers and the Cubs, right? Uh, I want to say the Rockies and uh, the Dodgers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you know, so you're six and four, but still, ten teams won ninety games. So, oh, yeah. okay, you know, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of teams tanking, and that's one of the things that a lot of baseball fans were a little upset with. A lot of mm-hmm. baseball pundits were upset with. Um, I love that word, don't you? Pundits. I, yeah. I almost I, that might be the first time I've ever used I, it. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So I've never used it. I'm I'm, af- I'm afraid of the word. Okay, I'm not 100 percent sure what it means. It but means I'm pretty sure. Perceived to be an expert. Oh, okay. Then I was right. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know there are a lot. Of, I was just looking here over the last. It's the most over the last three years. Yeah. Um, right, good. Good. So, and I think a lot of that is there were a lot of bad teams out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesse brought up a great point. Now with the Pirates, with Chris Archer and and Tyon getting better, they're going to make some moves. Cincinnati, if they get a pitcher or two, this this division's just going to keep getting better. So the Cubs are going to have to keep up with with getting better. They have to realize they didn't win. Uh, you know, after ha- it's funny having the best record in the National League all the way till the last day. And nope. then not have yeah. it. Yeah. So. See, I disagree with Jesse. I think that Mr. Epstein is going to make a lot of moves. Well, I'm thinking if you're going to bring in a guy like Harper, if you're going to bring in a guy like Harper, you can get rid of Almora, Hap, and Schwarber. Well, as I, you can right. get rid of all three if well, you want. I've said two of the three. <laughs> yeah. And good. No, I think <laughs> I think two of the three are going to go. But if you bring in a guy like Harper, yeah. you've still got, you still have Hayward. And, you know, you've got Bryant, and if you're going to play Bodie more, you may see Bryant in the outfield more often. I was impressed with Bryant on the silliest little thing. The ball that went into the vines. Yeah, he knew what to do. For a guy that doesn't play left field all that much, he immediately knew what to do. Ball took one bounce into the vines, and as soon as it went into the vines, he turned around and held his hands up. Do you remember, I'm not trying to quiz you, because I only know this because I made a note. Do you remember who hit that ball? It was DJ LeMayu. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, my favorite guy ever. To be honest, he's one of my favorite guys, too. The problem is mm-hmm. he's hit like crap the last, the two games, the game against the Cubs and in the in the first two games of the series uh, with Milwaukee, he's not done anything. Well, he, he hit, hit that, one hit yesterday. Well, he hit the double in the uh, vines, in the ivy. Now, in fact, if John DeWine, uh, if we'd have had another minute with him, I was going to bring this up. Yeah, that was the second batter in the game. There was the, right. the, the walk by Lester, which is the first time he'd ever walked anybody, he, I think, in a playoff Black game. Blackman. Yeah. Number two, this was the one-and-done wildcard game. Top of the first, as Fred's mentioning. Uh, Blackman gets out with a walk. In the two-hole, DJ LeMayu, ex-Cub, Theo didn't want him. Uh, it drives the ball in the gap or whatever, left center. Yeah. Goes in the vines, the ivy. And uh, Brian's smart enough to not go digging for it. Yeah, save them a run. And then first and thir- uh, second and third. Now nobody out. The game ended thirteen innings. The Cubs lost two to one. Just right. to refresh, zero zero. Obviously, the game just started. So it's first and second. I'm sorry, it's second and third with the double. Nobody out. And Arenado in the three hole set fly to center field. Knocks in the only, you know, run of the game for the next eight innings or ten innings, whatever it was. But here's what I was leading up to. 
statistically, and I wanted to ask John DeWan. So you look at the first inning. A walk, and that man, Blackman, scores. Right. So he gets a run. Uh-huh. You know, runs are cool, right on your stats. He got yeah. a run, scored a run. That's very important. Arenado, fly ball to center. He gets the ribby. Right. Lemayu, and this is in this happened. He gets nothing. Just a hit. J- just yeah. a stinking double. Right. No real credit. He didn't score a run. Didn't get the ribby at the end of the year on the you know your agents. Oh, I got the. Right. He only had a hundred. But that double unsung was between the walk and the sack fly, which is there was he was the only one that got a hit. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. It, know, there, there was a stat that I saw just uh, earlier today. John Lester's last four postseason appearances with the Cubs. A 177 ERA and they're 0 4 in those games. Yeah. His last four. Talk about a team not scoring for your pitcher. And, you know, I guess they had to take him out when they did. He had just struck out. He just got, he was pumped up. Contreras was pumped up. And that was it. That was his last pitch. Well, he was pinch hit for, right? Yeah. And the lead off. Right. And it, as it turned out, that run, I think that runner scored. Hap walked. Yeah. I don't know. Did he score? Yeah. Hey. I think that's the run that scored. Hap walked, and then I think he yeah. came, he might have come around to score in that one. But regardless, Joe, in his mind, felt... We need a run. We're not going to score. Right. I mean, he wasn't saying, I got to get Lester out of here, uh, you know, because we're not going to score. No, Hap uh, actually was the, uh, let's see, it might have been the next... Six. It was the bottom of the sixth. Okay. Right. Yeah, and the Cubs didn't score till the eighth. Oh, okay. Yeah, they scored. Rizzo singled. Uh, Baez. Uh, oh yeah, because there were a lot of people that thought that uh, Gore should have come in. That Gore should have come in in the sixth after yeah. half walk. Right, you're right. Yeah. Rizzo singled. Gore pinch ran stole second. This is in the bottom of the eighth. Trailing one to nothing. Baez hit the double to knock him in. But regardless, you know, and that's where Joe uh, is open for criticism, and that's what's the fun about being a sports sure. fan. You know, oh, no, you're taking Lester out. Well. He said to himself, we got to get some runs. you got to score sometime. So, you know, and it, yeah. it can go either way. You know what? Let's. Oh, by the way, the DJ LeMayu, here's a guy that I still think would be perfect for the Cubs. I know he's 30 I years old. I think he old. will be. He's a free agent. I looked around. There's not a lot of teams with big holes at second that have some dough. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Some people have said, would Theo eat crow? And of course he would. Bring back the guy that he thought was worthless sure. when he'd been here just four weeks and use the Boston Red Sox Carmine scouting report on the on his uh, Cubs uh, DJ LeMay and thought he couldn't play. But, uh, well, LeMay, he also... Um he, he's gone the uh, launch angle way because he wasn't always a power hitter. Last year, yeah. he had for power. Uh, the year before that, he won uh, the batting title. And it helps in Colorado with, you know, yeah. they hit the ball in the air, let's be That's honest. Right. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at our uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. We have about nine or ten active right now. I want to bring in uh, Felix the Cat, Felix Reyes. Uh, before we get to uh, the results of the one we posed on the radio, though you can vote for all, all of these right now, uh, talking about the Bears by week. I want to also bring up, uh, you vote right now, okay, a Bears Twitter poll question. Which of these four uh, worries the Bears defensive opponents the most? Okay, I'm going to list four guys uh, Bears have on offense. Which of these four do you believe they spend the most time Game planning uh, the week before the other team, the defensive coordinator, worried about, oh, man. So uh, the four names are pretty obvious here, I think. Wide receiver Allen Robinson. Uh, 
wide receiver Trey Burton. I don't know, Taylor uh, uh, Gabriel's a, f- is He's a, a slot yeah, man. Yeah. Whatever. And, and Burton's a tight end. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thanks, Fred. Of course, yeah. Let me just say, receiver Allen Robinson, receiver Trey Burton, receiver Taylor Gabriel, or whatever you call him, the Swiss Army uh, knife, uh, Tariq Cohen. Who keeps the defensive coordinator up at night uh, before the uh, the Bears uh, play him the next day? That may change after the last game. Maybe. Because they finally started to use Tariq Cohen mm-hmm. a little bit more than they did before. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Jordan Howard's wa- you know, upset walking out of the locker room and not talking to anybody. Well, let's stay on that while we're on it. Yeah. Tariq Cohen. I don't want to say he's indefensible. But he's darn near. What was the word? What was the phrase that uh, Chris Spielman used uh, in the uh, soundbite here? Let's listen. I have this here Fox TV Sunday. Uh, I think he called him a, a nightmare uh, for the defense uh, uh, to scheme. Shotgun, Trubisky. And a touchdown to Cohen. Nothing tricky about that. Come. So in practice, they go after Tariq Cohen is a nightmare matchup. I don't care what kind of linebacker you are in coverage. You've got to help, and he's going to work Levante David, number 54, one-on-one. He's going to set him with the outside, and he's got no shot. That's too easy. You want to force him to go outside. If you force him to go inside, he has a throwing lane. That's the easiest throw a quarterback can make, the inside throw as opposed to putting it outside. A Fox TV. Fred, the defense doesn't know what to do with this guy, and you were right. Howard, though, they, they downplayed it. Yeah. See, the load, the load back. That's an old phrase, right? Yeah. The load back. Hey, Howard is a load back type guy, right? Hand him the ball twenty five times or whatever. Let him just. Boom, yeah, I think, yeah, I think pow, he got twenty four carries in week three. I didn't yeah. get that many in week four, but no. Yeah. And Cohen, he was the load back, which you don't think of a five foot ten, five foot nine guy as the load back, but he's built like the old, you know, brick outhouse. Yes. If you know what I mean. I've no, I don't remember seeing a guy that is the everyday, every down back and returns every punt. That's maybe you can come up with some. Gail Sears did it. I'm not comparing yeah, to Gail Sears. Don't get me wrong. Guys did, yeah. But how many guys are the literally the three down back? Which I believe right now you could say Cohen is. Yeah. Right. He's three down back and he's returning all the punts. It's really amazing. Let's when we return, Felix. Uh, let's have ready. Let's get some of the results. Last chance vote right now. Who worries the Bears' opponents the most? Uh, Bears bye week. Is this the worst time, the best time? And uh, we've got some Cubs, uh, other Bears on the board. Mark Potash in a few minutes. It's Murph and Fred on a Saturday morning. Glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great day. It's ESPN 1000. Busy day. We're a few minutes away from Inside Bears Talk with Bears insider Mark Potash. He's at Blackhawks uh, practice today. He said, you know, Murph, Fred, I hope that uh, Coach Q doesn't have something going, you know, at 11. I said, I'll call Johnny Mack. Well, that makes sure that they schedule the coaches' press conference. Well, they're in St. Louis tonight. So, yeah. So I don't know if they're 
I would think they'd... Maybe that's where Mark yeah, is. Yeah, maybe okay. it is. Let's bring in... Because they, they open up their home schedule tomorrow night against Toronto. Felix the Cat. Felix, uh, the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll brought to you by Murph and Fred. All right. Uh, I like that. We don't want it sponsored, by the way. Because then we'd have to do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Unless it's sponsored, then we'd be happy to do it. Yeah. Right? Okay. Always like sponsors. Brought to you by Murph and Fred. Uh, Number one, Felix Fred uh, was a Cubs uh, Twitter poll question. Who needs whom more? I believe that's uh, grammatically correct. Who needs whom more? A or B? A, Joe Madden needs the Cubs. B, the Cubs need Joe Madden. I didn't put C right. because that would take the fun out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> who needs who m- more? Joe Madden needs the Cubs or uh, the Cubs need Joe Madden? I think this is going to be a landslide. Uh, it's going to be uh, Madden needs the Cubs, everyone's going to say. Oh, well, uh, Joe, what's, who's gonna, what's Joe going to do? No, no, I'm going to go the other way. The Cubs need Madden yeah, more. Yeah, 90%. If I were, I said this to Jesse, Fred, if I were Joe Madden, I'd call up Theo today and, and Mr. Ricketts. I'd call Mr. and Mr. I quit. I know I got $6 million left. You know what? That's all right. We'll scratch it off. You know, I just don't want to be here. I want to go to the Angels. They're going to give me $8 million times five. All right. Fred and I just differ on this. Who had the better? Uh, who needs whom more? Uh, what the fans say there, uh, Felix? All right. The lowest percentage we have is Madden needs Cubs at 42%. Oh, it's close. And then at 58%, we have Cubs need Madden. All right. That's actually pretty close for, I, I believe, yeah. uh, for a question like that. It is close. All right. Uh, next was... Oh, I'm a little stinker. The next one uh, question at Twitter book. Who had the better year, Joe Madden or Theo Epstein? There's no doubt on this one. It should be 100% Joe Madden. Well, of course. It should be 100% Joe Madden. But remember, Theo Epstein's nickname is the Teflon Man. Yeah. Everything rolls right off him. Nothing sticks to him. So I'm going to say, even though you're right, Fred, that's not how the voting is going to go. Theo Epstein had the better year. It's going to be about 70%. Well, there's a lot of people that don't like Madden's well, exactly. moves and all right. that stuff. But oh, yeah. And I'm with yeah. you. Joe did. But right. that's not how the voting is going to be. Felix. All right. At 31%. We have Theo Epstein, and winning is 69% Joe Madden. Okay. Huh. Well, what happened to Theo? The bloom isn't coming off the rose. Well, you know what happened to Theo? Uh, Darvish, <laughs> Chatwood, and yeah. Smiley. It's nice to have pitchers. I mean, you've got nine starters going into next year, so you know, figure out what you're going to do. You can get rid of a few of them. For the 10th time today, could you imagine if Theo were running a uh, small market team with no money and he couldn't correct all his uh, problems with the checkbook? But well, he, he wouldn't know what it's like because he's been to Boston and here. So both, both teams able to spend money. Carl Crawford, remember the big deal for Carl Crawford I with the Red Sox? I got a list of seven disasters that yeah. he had with the Boston, but I don't want to repeat them right now because uh, why? Why bother? Uh, next would be a Bears Twitter poll question. Fred, uh, we uh, posed this. Who worries the Bears opponent, defensive coordinator, uh, next week uh, the most? Receivers Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, or all-purpose Swiss Army knife Tariq the Tank Cohen. 
The answer should be what? Boy. How do you vote, I should say? That one's tough. I think Cohen will get a lot of votes that we were just talking about, but mm. I think Taylor Gabriel's a guy that's going to bother him because he, he runs the ball. They hand the ball off to him quite a bit, and he's still a, a slot guy that can go uh, downfield in the middle of the field. And mm-hmm. uh, Both of those guys are about the same height, which is pretty amazing. It is. They're like yeah. both 5'8". Yeah, it's amazing when they're standing in the huddle. It's amazing it how really small is. they are. But uh, I, I go with a tie between Cohen right. and Gabriel. All right, I vote for uh, Cohen. What the fans say, Felix... All right, at at the lowest percentage, we have six percent. It's mm-hmm. actually Taylor Gabriel. Okay, nine percent Trey Burton. At fourteen percent, we have Allen Robinson, and in the lead, seventy-one percent say Tariq yeah. Cohen. Yeah, people forget uh, who Taylor Gabriel is. No, he's I guess. good. He's, he's so good. small, they must forget about him. Let's go back on the Bears beat in a moment with our guy. Mark Potash said he'll phone in from the Chicago Sun-Times. Murph and Fred, two hours history, one hour to go. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. And two and one, one. Hour number three. You having fun, Fred? I am. So far, well, of course, I'm looking outside where all the people are going to be running tomorrow in the marathon. And it, it hasn't rained since I got downtown. Yeah. And now I'm going to get in my car in about an hour, and it's going to be pouring again. When you said ridiculous, look, looking out the window having fun, and I thought you're pulling a yurko on us right there. No, no, no. He loves looking out the window and having yeah, fun. Yeah, well, there's a there's a lot to view today, and there'll be a lot tomorrow when I'm here from nine yeah. till noon, looking at the stragglers in the uh, marathon. And I shouldn't. I'm not making fun uh, of them because I would never. I I get tired driving 26.2 miles. John, if you're listening, John Yurkovich, hello. I only see John once a year. The hol- company holiday party. One minute away from Mark Potash over to Sun Times. Uh, let's see. Our votes are rolling in on the Twitter poll. Cover a lot of baseball. Jesse Rogers. Uh, hey, let's go. Celebrity lines ringing. Let's go to Mark Potash over at the Chicago Sun Times. Hey, Mark. Murph and Fred. Good morning. Hey, Murph. Hey, Fred. How you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Hey, thanks for taking some personal time and jumping in. All your fans love hearing from you. Uh, you cover the Bears. You're on the beat there with the Blackhawks. Uh, you're baseball guys, so we can spray to all fields. But real quick first, fellas, does anyone recall, and I know you both do, uh, the Cubs had a pitcher named Mark uh, Mike Harkey. I was like Mark Heike. Uh Mike Harkey. Remember him, fellas? I remember sure. him well. Yeah. In fact, he was the inspiration for my <laughs> What If Bell many years ago. And uh, down at Fan Talk at the good old 89, uh, the fans would keep calling in. Well, you know, uh, what if, Murph, what if uh, Mike Harkey recovers from the uh, busted up knee? And what if he goes 15 and 5 and. Finally, I got so tired of what if this, what if that, I got the what if bell. Well, I was thinking, Mr. Potash, Fred, of uh, Mike Harkey uh, the other day watching the Bears game. Do either of you, uh, can you draw this uh, obscure parallel, uh, uh, Mark? Oh, uh, boy, uh, not uh, not at the moment, uh, Murph, uh, right. but I can't wait. <laughs> you piqued my interest. The infamous backflip that tore up. Harkey's knee, and he was never the same. The Cubs floated a story. This is, what, 20, 
plus 25 years ago that it was a cartwheel. I always heard it was a cartwheel. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a lie. Cartwheel, like, before the ballpark was open in the outfield. And actually, he did a backflip. A okay. big, strong guy, and he landed funny and popped, popped the knee. So, Terry Cohen, he scores the, uh, the touchdown. And, fellas... He did a backflip. He cleared everybody out of the way first. Yeah. Uh. Maybe it's just being an old Cub fan I am, Mark Potash, with a history of uh, paranoia. But do you think someone like you could walk down and say, hey, kid, don't do that backflip anymore and tell him the Mike Harkey story? Well, uh, that actually would probably be a pretty good idea, but I would have to say, uh, Murph, that Tariq Cohn is in much better shape and condition (laughs) to do backflips than Mike Harkey. (laughs) Tariq Cohn is... uh, Tariq Cohn is like five foot six. You know, Mike Harkey was like six foot five, and right. he looked like a linebacker. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest any linebackers do it. But a yeah. guy like Tariq Cohn, that's kind of who he is, and, mm-hmm. and I guess the Bears are just going to have to take their chances on that. Well, well, let's stay on uh, uh, Tariq Cohn, the exciting. Uh, uh, I guess you call him a tailback. What, what do you even call him? Uh, tailback? What do you call him? <laughs> you know, in basketball, they call the guy who plays every position athlete. Now they don't go one, two, three. <laughs> Four or five. All right, all so right. guy who does everything athlete, and I think that's kind of probably the best uh, designation uh, uh, for Tariq Cohn because mm. he really doesn't fit into any one. He's kind of like in basketball today, where there really isn't a power forward like we knew in the seventies and eighties. You know, there isn't like even an off guard anymore. Everybody's kind of this, and he's kind of this guy who kind can fit wherever he, wherever mm. they seem uh, to need him. And in this offense, it's kind of a good point because this offense, I think is actually much better equipped to take advantage of what he does uh, than, than last year when they tried, and, they, and I think they did a pretty good job, but they didn't max out. Could we st- could we call Raymond Harris and steal the ultra back and give it back to give it to uh, Tariq Cohen because ultra back's not a bad one. It's not, plus, it sounds like a superhero. <laughs> well, that's that, that, that's that. But I think it was that more, that really that really fit Raymond because he could actually run up uh, <laughs> in, inside and he, he had a lot more uh, physical size, yeah. I guess, than Tariq Cohen. But Tariq Cohen, I will say. He, he'll run. He'll run inside. He can, oh. you know, he's quick enough. He, if he sees a hole, he, he'll go in there. So actually, it's probably not a. It's probably not a, a bad kind of moniker for him. And you know what? The other thing is, if there's a guy in front of him, he's not going to run away from him. He's going to try to run him over. He thinks he can do it. And uh, I guess the interesting thing about uh, Tariq Cohn is uh, he is, a, you know, with all that said, he is kind of a niche guy. He's got to be in, the, in another offense. He really wouldn't be as effective because you got to. He's a guy. He's kind of guy who. You kind of you kind of have to zig when the other team zags, and that's how a guy like him is effective. And like I said, this offense is really good at I think putting him in in open space and in the right positions to to succeed. So definitely an interesting facet, but I have to say not probably not the focal point of the Bears' offense at this point. To well, tell you the truth. Well, let's augment that a minute, fellas, and I have great uh, confidence and faith in our listeners, Mark, that occasionally they like some X's and O's. You know, we don't want to do all X's and O's, let's be honest. You know, who wants to hear all X's and O's? But, so, when you got Cohen in the backfield, and uh, he runs, they used to call it the circle pattern. What do they call it now? The wheel route. The, the wheel, wheel route. Yeah. yeah. You know, every ten years you had to change names to make it sound like they got something new. But just, you circle... No, 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 Murph, they change names just to stay a step ahead of us. Okay. <laughs> Football coaches, right. they cherish their, the, the, the knowledge gap they have ahead of us, and it's decreased <laughs> as we've gotten smarter. That's why, like, a defensive tackle becomes a three technique. That's why a middle linebacker yeah. becomes the Mike, the Will. The okay. They're always, you know, the, the, the wide receivers become, you know, the X, the Y. It used to be just a flanker, a wide receiver, or an end in the old days. <laughs> 
that, that's a, sorry to get off on a tangent no, no, here, no, but no. You, you hit a nerve. That's why they do it is to stay a step ahead of us. Yeah, the old good old Johnny Morris, the old football cards. Johnny Morris's yeah. old football cards at flanker, but instead yeah. with circle pattern. So here's the X's and O's, fellas, and you can both jump in. So when Cohen lined up in the backfield, there be it Ace or Deuce, you know, and he he runs a circle, a half circle around where the tight end is, and then he's back. The linebacker is usually on anyone that does that, but the linebacker cannot keep up. Here's the key. With Cohen, he's too fast. So all of a sudden, the defense, they're in a pickle because they've got a linebacker on Cohen, and you know what happens then? He's got 20, 30 yards around the uh, outside. I, I can't disagree with that, Murph. Although more often today, it's going to be a, there's going to be a, a, a fifth or sixth defensive back that's in there the point. who's going to be able to cover him. But the thing is, that's the even point. those guys can't stay with Tariq Cohn. Right. That's why he's such a good weapon because X's O's wise, you really it's he's a high he's a difficult player to defend no matter what personnel you have on the field. See, that's why the Bears have an ultimately when they get this offense going or if they get yeah. this offense going will have an advantage because even matchup wise, it's, it's always in favor of the Bears right. with Tariq Cohn on the field because Fred. Like Mark saying, now they got to go with six defensive backs, take a linebacker out. Now, if you have Howard lined up, or even Cohen, he goes straight forward. They're lightweight now in the uh, seven in the box, right? It, it, it sounds good to me, Murph. But uh, you know, the, the Bears' offense has really only been a juggernaut for one week, so I'm, I'm right. not going to. Uh, I'm not going to get too carried away. Okay. But, that's, but see, the thing is, too, uh, last year we saw, I think, a little bit of some of the things Tariq Cohen can do, but because there were no other weapons, it was tough to use him in those ways. This year, they have Robinson who can catch the ball and Taylor Gabriel who can do things and Trey Burton who can go down the seam and catch the ball and, and catch sideline routes. I think that uh, makes Cohen even more of a dangerous weapon because they have other guys they can actually use. So, you know, last year, we, we, this was promised to us, uh, in the, in the preseason and we didn't see any of it, of course, because they didn't want to hurt, get anybody hurt. But I think slowly but surely we're starting to see what this offense can look like. And I, obviously it was against Tampa, but there are other teams. I mean, Minnesota was a pretty good defense and correct me if I'm wrong. They've given up 27 points, I think three games in a row. So there are teams out there that are giving up a lot of points. Points, and I got a feeling this Bears offense may not look like it did last Sunday every week, but I think they're going to be a team that's going to be able to score a lot of points. And, Fred, that's a fair point. I think it'll be interesting. Like last year, I think what happened was Tariq Cohn would flash and teams would adjust to it, and then all of a sudden he would be nothing. Right. This year, I think the whole key to the whole offense, the reason why you hired Matt Nagy, is so that when teams now have seen Tariq Cohn, what he can do on an offense in this one game, now when they respond, the Bears have other weapons, better weapons, to kind of make them pay for, for to kind of respond to the response. Sure. And, and, and I think that's why, even though I said it's only one game, it still was at least kind of a, a good indicator of the way this offense is trending. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see against Miami, you know, because they're going to now defend this. Let's see. Let's see if the Bears have the answer because when Matt Nagy's had time to prepare, uh, his offense has been pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next Sunday. Couple quick final minutes here. Always appreciate some time with our guy Mark Potash. Mark, every week this is a Wednesday in the hard copy. Fred, I don't know if it's bear o meter or barometer, but <laughs> barometer. Okay, like the old Shonometer really should have been the Shonometer, like your speedometer in the car, but I'm not going to argue that was 30 years ago. You've got, and every week, Mark projects the upcoming season L's and 
couple uh-huh. of years, and you got them at nine and seven. Oh, and we won't go through one by one, Mark. But nine and seven, the question would be: Is that enough to win the uh, NFC uh, North? Boy, you know that is that's a great question, Murph, because. The you know the bear if, if, usually that is not so right. I, I guess I would have to say no I don't think it will be mm-hmm. we, don't, we still don't know how this season is going to play out for both the for either the Vikings or the Packers they look shaky at this point but the interesting thing will be I think at nine and seven is can Nagy do what other no other coach but since Dave Watson has been able to do and that is get them in a wild card because one of the reasons why the Bears have only been to the playoffs like four times in the last twenty something years is because they've always been it's always been this red hot season that they they catch lightning in a bottle and they and they and they win the division whenever they've been within a game and and getting and trying to get a wild card they've never they've never been a wild card since nineteen ninety four under Wanset they're the only team in the NFL wow. except for the Texans who started in twenty oh two that has yet to has not been a wild card in that span huh. and that's that's one of the biggest reasons why the Bears have been a failure in the last 20 years is because they can't they they can have that hot season like everybody does every so often but they can't win the games they need to win to just sneak in and as you know you look at the Packers all these other teams sneaking in in the NFL is the, is a way to win the Super Bowl it's been proven it's not just you're not just hoping for a one in a million shot if you can just get in you can do something and the Bears have never been able to do that so nine and seven is actually a very interesting record for yeah. the Bears because it'll 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 probably end up being determined can they win a game at the end to to, mm. to get in the wild card, and that's something that they've struggled to do, like I said, in the last 25 years. And, See, Mark, and a goofy tie. Yeah. What happens if Minnesota yeah. and Green Bay... Where's my what-if bell, Mark? Tie again. Could you imagine if Minnesota and Green Bay, the odds are one in a million, tie again? Yeah. That'll throw everything into the old uh, hopper. Yeah, and you know, Mark, you're, you're getting me a little confused here now. So if they're playing really, really well near the end of the season, are they supposed to lose a game so they don't win it outright just so they make the wild card? I don't know. I don't know, Fred. <laughs> I can't remember how I had the, the season playing out, so I'm not, I didn't really consider the wild card when I did that. Okay. I just, you just happened to bring up the record, so I, I brought it up. But but uh, but no no not at all. If this team can if this team can win eleven games, all I'm saying is over the course of time, right. teams have opportunities to sneak into the playoffs. Sure, every other team does it. The Bears do not. I got gotcha. you. That's why that's why we that's why the Bears have had. Usually, three general managers in the last eight years. Right, and usually it's a Bears loss that allows another team to sneak in. Uh, I mean, the the, the way the Bears have blown uh, a chance to either win the division or just sneak into the playoffs is legendary. I mean, just in the last eight uh, eight to ten years, uh, even going back to Lovey, the game at Houston, uh, when they still had the Super Bowl, remnants of the Super Bowl team, you know, they they lost the game they should have won. Even the the, the Trestman, they had two shots to win it, and Uh, they crapped out totally at Philly, 54 to 11, Uh. and then that disastrous loss to the the, the, uh, Packers. And that was a tie. The Packers, I think, had a tie that year also. Hmm. So that played into it. So, I mean, not just a wild card, but just in general, I guess the point is, can this team, will this team, if it becomes a contender, be able to win that key game and rise to the moment, rise to the occasion and seize the moment and, and win a big game? And, uh, you know, it's still a long way to go, but it's still, you know, as you look down the road, it's going to be an interesting facet to, uh, to Matt Nagy's first season. Hey, Mark, excuse me, Mark, real quick, let's bring in uh, Felix the Cat. They're doing a great job producing today. We have our uh, Twitter poll questions online. Uh, Mark Potash, uh, one of the uh, questions, here we go. 
this is the Bears by week, you know, as we all know. A, B, or C, what do you think the fans, uh, how they vote here? Because you wrote a great piece on this in the Tuesday's Sun-Times. I think Fred and I might be oppo on this, but the question was, well, this is the Bears week. That was the statement. A, it's the worst possible time. Uh, they're hot. They've won three in a row. They're rolling. Or B, this is the best possible time. They had a long preseason. They had five exhibition games. The media and the fans, Trubisky, 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 they need. This is a perfect time for the uh, once-a-year buy. Or C, the vote was, hey, bye weeks are overrated. Why do you even ask the question? Let's bring in Felix. What the fa- hey, Mark, you want to take a guess? Not before we- I, I, think, uh, I think the fans uh, will say C, although I, I'm, okay. I don't believe it will be a majority. I shouldn't have put C in there, to be honest with you. What did they say, Felix? All right. At 19%, we have best possible time. Mm-hmm. 27%, we have bye weeks are overrated. Mm-hmm. And at, in the lead is 54% worst possible time. Well, there you go. Now, um, uh, Mark, uh, you wrote a fine piece. I agree with you. Uh, high and by was the headline writer's quote. Good time for the break. I think it's the perfect time, but you and I are out of step, Charlie, Mark. Yeah, I Fred, think it's a terrible time. All right, tell us why. Uh, because they just started playing well. They've won three in a row. Uh, I don't think any of the buys should happen until week eight or nine of the season. Uh, the whole the whole buy system is screwed up in the NFL, and I just think this is bad. Yeah, I, I I agree with Fred. I'm more. I mean, it's a, not a bad point by Nagy to say that they've had this extra long off season and they need it now. But they're going to need it more uh, when they're beat up more in about five or six weeks or seven weeks or whatever, another month or whatever. And that's what the buy really. That's where teams really benefit by the buy more is is just by just giving themselves a chance to heal. And the Bears so far have been fairly fortunate with injuries, but I think they're they like to buy now. I think they're gonna they're they're not gonna be as happy about having the week four uh, the week five buy uh, in about a month about a month from now. Just that's the way the NFL goes. Hey, uh, Mark, real quick, you. Hey, Mark, there is one thing to point out though that, yeah. that I think was interesting was that. Uh, you know, uh, is that Nagy comes, you know, from the, 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 the Andy Reid coaching tree. Right. And Andy Reid not only has this great record after the bye, like 16-3, and three, oh. but when he had the bye in week five or earlier, he's 7-0. Seven, he's seven and oh. Listen to and, our guy. And, and Nagy has shown every indication of really being a protege of Andy Reid. And, and preparation, the scripted plays, everything about him so far looks like that's true. So wow. I, think, I, think, I think the Bears will benefit. I think the Bears will benefit by this bye. I just think they'll need it more. You know, later in the season. Listen to our guy Mark Potash right off the top of his head. He's got all those numbers. He's like a John DeWan with a computer right in his head with all the numbers. See, when they have 18 regular season games, then they'll have two bye weeks. So we'll they've had that before, too. I know. It's, oh, that's not a right. good, it's not a lot of fun. No. Well, Except for the gamblers. <laughs> that's right. Uh, last thing, Mark, you're a big baseball guy. You're covering the Blackhawks, the Bears, but. I was just wondering, we've been talking about Joe Madden, and that's the topic. And uh, I said, frankly, if I were Joe, I'd say right now to Mr. Ricketts, thank you. Bye-bye. I've had enough. You know what? Take the sixth year, and we'll work out the payoff. Or you can. I'm going to the Angels. I don't need this. But regardless of that, do you think that... You'd think that like a Mike Ditka, a guy like Joe Madden, sort of flame out after a while? Uh, uh, do the players finally, you know, tune him out? Or what's your general thought on, well, like the Bears, right? They only won one time, but the Blackhawks won three times. Where do you, where do you factor the Cub thing in the middle there? Well, I do think uh, that the Joe Madden effect has diminished. And like I told you earlier, 
you know, like maybe it's a good example, maybe it's just coincidence, but in 2015 when his message was new and fresh, this team found ways to win like no other team in baseball. They won 13 games when they had five hits or less. That's that's pretty incredible. Yep. And this year they won six, and they just don't seem – I guess they, they've lost a little bit of that edge, and maybe a lot of it has to do with winning the World Series, I think, but also I think, I think Joe's – Magic has just diminished a little bit. I still think he's the best manager for the Cubs. There's no way they should fire him, I don't think. I hope he doesn't leave. I think he's great for a team that is where the Cubs are right now. But I do think, and you guys talked about it earlier, I do think the best thing Theo said was, was you know, that two out of three sometimes is not so good. And, and I think uh, one of Joe's flaws is that he doesn't really feel he has any flaws, and I think it's good. I, I disagree with you that he should up and leave. I think, that, mm-hmm. I think Joe needs to kind of take a step back and look and say, hey, maybe I'm not right all the time, all and right. maybe this attitude, maybe, maybe we need to change things a little bit. And I think that would be healthy for him. He's a great manager, mm-hmm. but he's not flawless. I mean, no manager is, no coach is, and I think that's one of his issues is that he fights what he calls the Twitter people all the time, and he fights – uh, this, you know, what what people are always saying, and this is one instance where, hey, just you, you know, just winning winning uh, six or seven or eight in a row, or winning or sweeping a series, maybe you want to go for that more instead of just settling for two out of three. So I think it'll be interesting to hear his response. Uh, uh, you know, when when it, when that is brought up to him, that hey, you know, Theo kind of pointed out that said, you know, you need to be, uh, you know, maybe you need to try and win more games earlier hmm. and not not settle for two out of three. Hey, Mark, all your uh, fans love hearing you. I always appreciate your personal time on Saturday. I know you're busy doing this, doing that, and you're doing a terrific job, as always. Check out Mark Potash sometimes. And uh, Mark will spring you on your busy day. Thanks so much. And uh, I don't, what, you doing a little Blackhawks now with the Bears off this week or what? Yeah, I got the Blackhawks, their home opener tomorrow uh, against the Maple Leafs, which will be a real interesting uh, matchup because I don't know what the Hawks are going to do tonight, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. the Maple Leafs are one of the up-and-coming, maybe the up-and-coming team in the NHL. So it'll be a great uh, matchup of the old versus the new and a kind of a test for the Hawks. So that'll be interesting. And then, you know, back to the Bears uh, next week. So everything's looking uh, – it's a great time, even with the Cubs out of the playoffs. Uh-huh. Still a good time to cover sports in Chicago. It always is. It always is. You're uh, right. We appreciate you. are the best. Thanks a million. Catch up with you more leisurely down the line here. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Fred. Great to talk to you as always. All right, pal. Bye-bye. Oh, he's the best. I love listening. I can just sit and listen to him all day. Yeah, I can too. And yeah, it's great. He, you know, the, the Blackhawks is interesting because there's a lot of people, uh, believe it or not, a lot of the, in the second time in the, the show, I'll use the word, yeah. a lot of the pundits, um, yeah. have picked the Blackhawks to not make the playoffs this year. And it was nice to see they get on the board early the other day. Uh, they uh, get an overtime goal from Patrick Kane that, you know, lit up everybody. And obviously a lot of the goals that Patrick Kane scores, uh, have a tendency to do that. So get some Blackhawk fans excited and maybe some Cub fans who are used to following their team in the postseason. Now they can turn their attention to the Blackhawks this week with the Bears having some time off. So the the Hawks play tonight in St. Louis and then tomorrow against Toronto. So uh, maybe the Blackhawks can uh, surprise some people with a new young team, some young defensive players and things like that. Hey, thanks, Fred. When we come back, I understand from uh, Felix uh, the Cat, our producer, and uh, Felix doing a great job as always. Felix Reyes, uh, we have some interesting results on two of our undiscussed Twitter poll questions. So it's your last chance to vote. These two particularly, when we return, uh, we'll dissect down what you said, number uh, one and two, and we return. Can the Bears win 
consistently when Mitch Trubisky is just mediocre that day. Okay. Can the Bears win consistently when Mitchie True is just mediocre? Yes or no? And number two, can Mitchie True be a franchise quarterback? Yes or no? All right? Okay. Vote now. Got some more baseball to get back to. Busy day. We're here for another half hour. Glad you're with us. Murph and Fred, vote now at ESPN 1000. Tequila. Tequila. I haven't had tequila since SIU Carbondale when uh, I thought it was a good idea to have a lot of it one night. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> I'm more for beer. Skeleton Key Brewing out by me is having their second anniversary. Oh. Today starts at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I think I got to stop by. They've got a uh, tremendous golden pale ale with coconut, which is unbelievable. Oh. So, migrat- co- Migratory coconut. is his name. Yeah, I agree. Oh. Anything with coconut is really good. Remember that, so. that Malibu rum in the white bottle? I sure do. They still make it, I know. Yes, they do. Get a little coconut in there. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Very, very good. <laughs> you mean there was alcohol in that drink? It's so smooth, you didn't even know it. Uh, you're right. You didn't know it. <laughs> you do remember yeah, that. That's great. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, we'll get to caller Henry in a moment, but first let's bring in Felix the Cat running our show today. He's going to give us some updates on... Now, Felix, you were mentioning a couple of the Twitter polls uh, uh, caught your interest. We have about 10 up there. We get to a few of them when we can. The uh, two with uh, Mitchie True, Mitch Trubisky, right? That is correct. All right, let's start with... Uh, he was. This has been on <clears throat> for about four or five hours, so the voting is pretty heavy. Can Mitch Trubisky... Can is the operative word, C-A-N. Can Mitch Trubisky become a franchise quarterback? Very simple, yes or no. Uh, I have no clue. I haven't looked, Fred. Uh, I haven't looked either. I voted really early this morning. so mm-hmm. And just once, let the record show. Yeah, okay. because I, I vote in these elections. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I voted only once. I think he can. I think he can definitely be a franchise quarterback. When you see other guys that have, like a, if you're going to consider Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, uh, some of these guys, I don't think there's any doubt that he could be. I agree. He could never have been a franchise quarterback with Dow Loggins and uh, John Fox. You know, his numbers were actually were actually better with those two in his first three games than uh, than they were with the Bears. But well, don't, know, don't, they, I that, hope John DeWan's not listening. But sometimes figures lie and liars, liars figure. figure. Yeah, right. Sorry, exactly. John. Yeah. Sorry, John. But what did the fans say? Uh, I can't even guess. I'm, I'm thinking the bear, after what happened in six touchdowns, I'm thinking it's going to be seventy thirty. Yes, he can be. I don't see. I don't see seventy percent of Bears okay. fans pulling the trigger right now, saying he could be franchised. But what do we know? Well, all right, Felix, is, is it a, a close uh, near 50, 50, 60, 40, or is it a, a lopsided? It's lopsided. Really? Mm-hmm. All right, lay it on us. So Fred was really close with this. So at 19%, we have no. Okay. 81%. 81%. Yes. See, that's what happens with a six-game, six-touchdown game. Everybody's excited. And the question is interesting because if you would have done that the week before, right, might have been the other way around. Sure. All right, now let's push the snowball up the hill a little bit more and look at the uh, next Twitter poll question. Can the Bears win consistently when Mitch Trubisky has just a mediocre game? Let me repeat that. 
Can the yes or no? Can the Bears win consistently? Remember, he could. Yep. Eighty-one percent. He's going to could become a franchise sure. quarterback. Can the Bears win consistently when Mitchie True is just mediocre? Yes or no? The results are thirty-six percent say no, sixty-four percent say yes. Wow! Give me that again. Thirty-six percent say no. Sixty-four mm-hmm. percent say yes. So two-thirds say yes. The Bears can win, even when Trubisky's having you know an average game or adversity or something you know mediocre. Well, that means the Bears could go like sixteen and zero if yeah. you piece these two together, right? Yeah. If he, now think about it. If they if eighty-one percent of our uh, voters have said that yes, he can become a franchise quarterback. And even though when he has a off game, 66% say they'll still win. Right. Well, what's that, 14 and 2? I mean, if you really piece the two together, that's amazing. Well, they can then only lose one more game the rest of the year. (laughs) They're not there yet. No. Their defense, though, makes them, uh, puts them in Mm. every game. Mm. And uh, there was uh, what I thought was interesting this weekend. Speaking of defense, the Bears' defense is—you uh, know—they—they've even given up more points than they would like to give up. There are ten quarterbacks so far this year on a pace to break their franchise single-season passing record. Four of them are on a pace to break Peyton Manning's single-season passing record. So all the. Um, Changes in the rules and uh, the offenses, and you know the the way you can uh, defend passers and uh, wide receivers have led to more scoring, and uh, that's what they're getting. And it's nice to see the Bears actually involved in more scoring. The rest of the league has gotten involved a couple of years ago, and now the Bears are finally have joined the class. Well, you know, on that topic, Fred and uh, Mark Potash, we didn't get to it, but one of his columns uh, in the last few days was talking about the upside that the Bears defense still has. He talked about Roquan Smith, right. who, you know, appears to have not even scratched the surface. Right. You know, I don't you know, unless he's a bust out with no one's saying he is, don't nope. get me wrong. Still learning, yada yada. He has not shown the sideline to sideline speed that everyone sort of I think intimated that was coming. And uh-huh. You know, you can't teach speed, but he doesn't have the probably, you know, the first speed, first step, quickness, recognizing, you know, before the play is, you know, off what's coming. And then he talked about uh, Leonard Floyd, who still is wearing uh, not the big club, but he still has, you know, the, the cast on the uh, hand, the broken, uh, what, right. two, two fingers or sprained, whatever they were. A lot of upside for him also. So the defense in general should have a lot more upside than we've seen so far. Yeah, I think it will. Roquan Smith had four tackles. Only one guy on the team had more tackles than him. So that's not all that bad, actually. Well, right. When they're at, they come at him. He, wrapped, yeah. he had trouble game one wrapping up or stuffing, or maybe yeah. it was game two. He didn't play a lot of game one. But Yeah, well, he and in game two, he was... Uh, he actually missed some tackles, that and I it. know that Fangio talked about it after the game. Yeah, so. that was it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They uh, see, slide in. Uh, Henry from Daytona Beach has been holding. He's still there, Henry? I am. How are you guys doing today? Good, Henry. What's hey, up? Hey, good, man. Well, I, I just wanted to thank you guys for all the good Cub stuff you guys did this year. I always listen to you guys on Saturday. A lot of great Cub stuff. And nobody is more sad than me that the season's over, but... 
for every bad thing, there's something good. And that's the beginning of Blackhawk season, baby. <laughs> I am looking forward to next week. I hear there's a new segment called the Hubner Hockey Half Hour next Saturday. That would so be fans, well, tune in. You, you might get the, uh, the Hubner Hockey Half Minute, but I'm not sure about you're going to get a half hour. No, I got so. hard... no, that's better than Waddle and Sophie, so I'll take it. How about Hard Hubes Hockey Talk? There okay. you go. I love it. Uh, one thing I got to correct you, Henry. You said no one's more upset about the Cubs uh, being out than, than you. Ha- no, Tom Ricketts. There's a lot of tickets that could have been sold. Ricketts tickets, and those aren't being sold. Thanks, Henry. Appreciate yep. it, buddy. Take care, guys. Thanks, right. Henry. All right. Henry's, Henry's our hockey guy. He loves loves the Blackhawks, and now the Blackhawks will get center stage for a couple of days, or at mm-hmm. least for this week, the next couple of days, because they play tonight and then tomorrow their home opener. Can I twi- uh, uh, quickly talk about the uh, MLB wildcard format? Sure. All right. And uh, Manfred Mann, the commissioner, said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We like the uh, wildcard. Okay. Now, let the record show, and Fred, hopefully you recall this, and you'll verify uh, last week, before the Cubs, you know, failed and right. ended up in the, I said I don't like the wild card. So this is no, it's not the sour grapes. Yeah, not at all. For years, I've said, you know, we never had a big topic on it. It's you know, not the topic that's compelling and people want to. Oh, that's a great topic, but I've never liked the wild card. Here was the quick history, and then what happens every year? Okay, and again, this is not sour grapes. I'd be saying this if the Cubs were still alive. Okay, understand that everybody. Fine here, so. Until, what, three, four, five years ago, the, in the National League, there are three divisions. Right. And in the American League, there's three divisions. All right, we all know that. So in the National League, the three division winners, all right, they advance. But the problem is you need another team to play. And now all three aren't going to play at once, and you don't want, you know, the One Cubs. sitting around for a week. There you go. Yeah. Sitting around for a week. So... With three divisions, you got to find a fourth team. Yep. And that made sense. For a long, long time, as long as they've had the three divisions, then the team with the most victories, the best record, if you will, that was not one of the three teams would be the automatic fourth team. Right. They, as the wild card, would play the first round against the team with the most wins. The best record, right. Everything was fine. Uh-huh. Everything was fine. Until a few years ago, they said, we want another game because we need a little more dough. By the way, how much dough could one game bring in in yeah, the big picture? Not that much. Right. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We'll take the two top teams with the two best records that don't make it, and they'll play a one-or-done game. Instead of the team being uh, in the entire best-of-five first round, the old wild card when there was just one, Yeah. now you got to play the team behind you for a one-and-done you play 162 stinking games, all right? And again, for the fifth time, this is not because the Cubs washed out, okay? I wouldn't matter if the Cubs played the Rockies nine games, seven games, best of five, that the Cubs weren't going to win. That's just my opinion. Point is, it's, it's insane, Fred. Like, for two wild, a, a fifth team, the second wild card to be allowed to play against the team after 162 games if the Cubs had more victories than Colorado, then you shouldn't have to play one game. It's just insane when you really look at it. I know. If your team's not involved, oh, it's fun. Oh, it's exciting and there's more money coming in. Well, they I, all, yeah. I'm not an idiot. I understand yeah. everything about it. It's just inherently to me, 
Not right. They also say that there's more teams that are involved further on because there's an extra team, which is, which is true. That's true. Which is I true understand. because because you know you you Seattle was involved in, yeah. the, in in the wild card until the last week or two, and there are other teams that are involved in it until. Well, you you're know, right. Well, then, so they say there's more there there's more meaningful baseball to be played with two wild cards. Well, then teams. let's have four. I mean, you're exactly right. right. Let's have four, and then you have two one and dones in each stinking league, uh-huh. and you play 162 games, and you got to play one game. All right, fine. I understand. That's the way it is. Well, one of the things that happened in baseball this year that uh, a lot of people talked about because Tampa was doing very well, and it was another team that was involved for a long time, actually, in the wild card, is this stupid thing about throwing an opener. And Ooh, the, I'm glad you brought that up. The Oakland A's decided to throw pitchers in their <clears throat> wild card playoff game. F- five pitchers, I want to say five or six pitchers, four of which I didn't even know their names or who they were. Now... They got there because they threw Edwin Jackson and Cahill and Brett Anderson, all guys that had pitched for the Cubs, okay? They pitched down the stretch for the Cubs and pitched very, very well. And then they throw some guy named Hendricks, who had actually been released by the team. They brought him back, and they had him starting a wild card game at Yankee Stadium. Now, I don't always watch high heat. But Christopher Mad Dog Russo was on, him. and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Forget about this Billy Bean stuff. Billy Bean has never won an important game in the history of the Oakland A's. And to go to New York's Yankee Stadium and pitch a bullpen game in a wild card game was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. The Oakland A's busted their tail to get there. They had some really good young players. A great, thir- a really good first baseman, a good uh, third baseman. Once those guys got in the lineup, the A's took off. They were challenging for the Western Division for a while. They were only they at one point they were a game behind the Astros. Okay, and what's this guy do? He throws some guy named Hendricks that I never even heard of. Jimmy, it wasn't Kyle. Uh, he throws him at Yankee Stadium. What happens? They give up. He gives up a two or three run homer in the first inning, and the game's never. They never have a chance. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And you know, I understand it works for certain teams. It's a, a thing where they're saying, well, you know, if if we let the reliever go in the first inning, then the the uh, the the starter can come in in the second or third inning, and then he only has to face the top of the order twice, and he can go into the seventh inning. The whole thing is ridiculous. Nobody, you know what? No one cared about the third time through the lineup until they started bringing it up. And now I think it's gotten into the head mm-hmm. of pitchers who say, well, you know, I've already faced this guy twice. And I'm, my, my, it doesn't, the third time they have a better chance. Did they have a better chance the third time against Bob Gibson? Did they have a better chance the third time against Fergie Jenkins? Did they have a better chance the third time against Mark Burley when he was pitching? The whole thing is stupid. And, unfortunately, it's a wave of the future. We're going to yes. see it a lot more. Well, and it sucks. I'm glad you said that. Everything you said is correct. It's going to be the wave of the future. Uh, one thing I heard Jim Deshaies, Cubs analyst, TV, say was that the starting pitchers now, they go max effort. In other words, back in the day, you know, I don't know if that was 10 years ago or 100 years ago, but back yeah. in the day, Starting pitcher paced himself and his arm because he knew he was going to go eight, nine innings. So he wouldn't max out or, you know, it's hard to describe, but he saved some bullets in the, in the arm for later. A, now these pitchers are, I think, either told or they feel I'm going balls out every pitch. And if I'm up to 80, 90 and by the sixth inning, 
I got nothing left. See, that's why these numbers are probably true that the third time, but the reason the numbers are that, I'm guessing, Fred, that third time. They don't pace themselves. Well, right. So they got nothing left. Now, let me go back real quick. Everyone knows what the starting pitcher is, and everybody knows the closer. That's your ninth inning guy. The phrase now is the opener, which is a good phrase. In other words, you're not the starter, you're not the closer, you're the first inning guy. And here's why this might work, Fred. And I hate it, too. But here's why it might take off, like you said, the trend. Oh, it will take off because everybody followed. There's a bunch of followers well, out there. But there's a, there's a lot of logic behind it. And, and you touched on a couple right there. The best three hitters in the lineup when you're, you're in the first inning are usually one, two, and three. Yep. So if you have... Uh, Eighth inning type guy that maybe if you start him, he faces one, two, three, and theoretically blows him out, and you're through the first inning. The three best hitters. Yep. Now, and you touched on this too. Now your starter doesn't face him till the third or fourth inning. Right. Yeah. So now you can go past the sixth inning. The twice through is now like you was the third time through because you didn't face one, two, and three. So there. But what the, it falls apart is. With a 25-man roster, you can't every day, you only got 12 pitchers, maybe 13. Now you can't be bringing in five days in a row, an eighth-inning guy or a ninth-inning guy, to pitch every day in the first inning, unless maybe you do it every other day, whatever. But it's going to happen. Yeah, it is. For the reasons that you uh, just broke down. Why don't you just have more starters? Why don't you just have starters? One guy goes three innings, another guy goes three innings, and then you go to your bullpen for the last three innings. This way, your guy... You, none of your pitchers pitch more than three innings because yesterday there were four games yesterday. Starters in four of those games: Verlander five and a third, Sale five and a third, Shasin five innings, Kershaw eight. Kershaw went eight because he was getting guys out in six inning, six there, pitch innings. There you go. Yeah. Hey, Murph and Fred, back in a flash, some final thoughts, including got a pronunciation uh, lesson from uh, one of our guys on the air this week. It was very interesting. I'll give you a hint: Matt Nagy, Nagy, Nagy. Murph, Murph and Fred back after this ESPN 1000. One, two, three. I know. Tell you what, Fred, we out-talked our uh, time uh, allotment here, so I'll have to uh, update everyone on the new pronunciation of the Bears head coach next week. Oh, I came up with a good title for Theo Epstein's uh, autobiography. He does. He hasn't written one yet. Well, it's his next one. Okay, his one about the life at Clark and Addison. Okay, I, I heard once that the best titles are three words, like uh, "Driving Miss Daisy." You mm-hmm. know, pop it, pop right. Theo's uh, autobiography title here: it is, <clears throat> "Spending not, not not Driving Miss Daisy." Okay, spending Ricketts money. There you go. There you go. There's a bestseller. Try not to suck. Four four words, but. Check out Jesse. Yeah, for, don't forget. Okay. Yeah, don't forget. Later on today, at four o'clock, Chicago's College Tailgate. Jay oh, yeah. Hood, Christopher Black, and also Adam Abdallah. They're on from four till six, leading you right up to Notre Dame football. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame taking on Virginia Tech. We got it for you here tonight on ESPN One Thousand. Well, we tried to cover everything for you today. Want to thank our guest John DeWan, StatOfTheWeek.com, the Bill James Handbook coming out soon. Jesse Rogers, he's everywhere. He's everywhere, and Mark Potash. 
featured uh, columnist, a man about sports in Chicago at the Chicago Sun-Times. Thanks to all of them. And Felix Reyes for all of his help as always. I'll be back tomorrow. No Bears preview, but we'll be previewing the NFL and talking Cubs baseball and a lot of other stuff and maybe even a little bit of hard hawk hockey. Wow. Tomorrow. That's right. Now tomorrow. Go home and have another beer. Don't bother me. Now that'll be great. Must listen. Like, you know, must see TV. That's must-hear radio. What time tomorrow, Fred? Tomorrow, 9 to noon. Got it. Right here on ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.